This is a warning. To protect theater owners and the makers of this horror vision film, viewers with nerve or heart conditions are advised to cover their eyes and ears whenever this sound is heard. Thank you. And now, here's Blaine Braxton. All right, we're still going to want to have a good time when we're like 50, right? We still want to get drunk and shit in trash bags, right? A leopard, right? a leopard never changes yeah. his spot. A leopard never changes his trash bag he shits in. Uh, I'm speechless, man. This is this is the apex of uh, podcasting right here. Um, it, deser- it deserves a uh, Marconi Award. What I have to say to the world, I want to say that uh, I've always enjoyed my time on Astro Radio Z. Uh, because normally I'm a some, somewhat mild mannered man on my my podcast, WrestleCraft Radio. We've you know I've been doing that for eleven years, but there's just something about being able to come on a show and talk about using midgets in a rough sexual manner that I can't get away with on WrestleCraft Radio. So please let's do it for another fifty and don't wait three years because. I got a lot of midget kink to talk about. This is why you can't have nice things. Do you think it's safe to ask them? Hear me. All you hosts gathered here. Kill everyone now. Condone first degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Well, I think we're about ready. Quiet, everyone. Filth are my politics. Filth is my life. From the whispers of the damned, deep within the bowels of hell. Welcome to Astro Radio Z.
Astro Radio Z. Welcome, listeners, to a new episode of Astro Radio Z, an episode that I never thought in my entire life I was going to do. But here we are doing it. Uh, this episode, as you can obviously read in the liner notes and see in the title, is uh, our tribute episode to our dearly departed uh, brother in arms, Mr. Blade Braxton, who unfortunately passed away at the end of March. And today with me in order to send him off there, I couldn't. I can't think of another person I'd rather have here. I can't think of another person I'd want to have here. Um, other ah, than, of you. course, Mr. Corey J. Adler. Corey, how you doing? I'm super, man. Uh, this is, uh, this is, hey, uh, you and I talked um, uh, the night that we received the news, and uh, I was, it's fucked up. I was, I was just pulling into a cabin in Georgia that uh, my wife and my daughter and I, we were going to stay at for the week and fish and, you know fuck around in the woods and uh it was like seven minutes from the cabin that i had gotten the text and uh i I, the the first order of business when i got there was i called you and uh yeah it's been a uh it's it's a weird thing man it's because it's we really i mean you know throughout this entire process you see all of the eulogies and and all of the people who were uh, uh, touched. I, I guess that's the wrong way to say it. Touched by Blade. I don't know um, if that's. I, I mean, hey, if they well, Blade would appreciate if they they thought that he would actually uh, touch them in some way. But at the same yeah, time, connected. I mean, the sentiment is there. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was. Getting. That's that was my main goal. <laughs> that's like throwing an axe at a barn door. Exactly. Maybe I'll hit it. <laughs> I understood. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. But, uh, but yeah, that, and, and like, like we were talking, uh, in, in between these, uh, us recording, uh, just those things that you share with people, um, that, I mean, you can, you can meet a lot of people. I mean, it's kind of like that the, there was a meme that, that was going around for a while that said, in real life, you have about nine friends, yeah. but you have 270 other ones that your relationship hinges on their opinion of the new Batman movie as to whether or not you have a friendship or not. And that is so true. And for me, it's Derek the evil dead Blade, remake. If, if they like the evil dead remake or not, then it, then it hinges see, on this. See, but I like that evil dead remake just I, fine. I keep you around cause you're a sparkling personality. <laughs> that's why regardless of your faults. <laughs> it's in spite of, <laughs> I only liked it for that scene where they where they had jammed that thing through the mouth and were working it like this. You I just s- thought that was you could try selling it however you want. Sell it however you want. Yeah. It's a it's a I bunch of bullshit. Very, so, anyways, let's oh, get back on track, your Adler. And- <laughs> but like we were saying, there's those things you share with just certain people. And the one thing, like one of the last few interactions that I had had with Blade was I was watching, and I remember what it was now. It was the Ken Patera story. I hadn't watched that yet from Coliseum Home Video <laughs> from about 1986 or whatever it oh, was. Jesus. And I found it, and I was watching uh, the, the Ken Patera story. You know, it was, it was a story about redemption, see? He was a guy that was a power lifter in the Olympics. 
threw a rock through the McDonald window with Mr. Saido, got his ass tossed in prison, and now he was back. He's, he's going to show I'm a reformed man. Yeah. So that's what this video is all about. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the, the beginnings of the Coliseum WWF home videos had this whole, it was the most beautifully constructed uh, montage musical package before they would start the actual video. And there was one bit where Andre the Giant, it's a steel cage. The lights are shining down from above. The flashbulbs are going off all around. Andre the Giant picks up Kamala, who is also a massive human being, and picks him up like this, and the flashbulbs go off. And then he, boom, slams him down. And I took a snapshot of it with my phone, and I sent it to Blade, and I was like, fucking iconic you know what i mean i'm like this is one of the grams go dude man i was just talking to a guy the other day about that one man that's one of the greatest shots ever and uh and and it was one of those times where i was like who am i going to share that with you know what i mean like i can send that to you and you might know as well but who else besides that group of people well, he's am a I living encyclopedia he's a, like oh, he, it was unbelievable. He was the he would have been the only person like I would have seen it and I would have been like I'd have a cursory knowledge of what that is. I'm not exactly. as big of a wrestling mark as you guys are. Exactly. So he was like that that dude was a walking encyclopedia of yep. wrestling, heavy metal, yep. <laughs> and trash cinema. And I think yep. the intersection of all of those things is what brought you, him, and I together and varying degrees. Like for yep. me, wrestling, I'm not as interested. I love wrestling, but I'm not as interested in the actual wrestling as I am in the culture. The people in right. the culture to me are insanely fascinating and entertaining. It is. Like I like yep. being around wrestlers. I like talking yeah. to them. I like <laughs> listening to the stories. And yep. but I'm not as versed in the actual matches and in, in the things right. like that where you guys are just like, You've been like your entire lives. That's been a thing. So there's that's been what we've been doing. Yeah, right. And my thing is my thing's always been movies, been trash cinema as as yep. yours is. So Blade connected yep. with me about trash cinema for the most part. And you guys had the wrestling thing. And then we just all like fed on that yep. energy in a spiral. Kind of <laughs> like the first time you and I met where we just sat at a bar and talked about full moon movies for like yep. six hours as, as opposed to being at the film festival. At the we festival were where they were showing the- our fucking movies. No. We we completely skipped out on the festival, went to the bar across the street drinking shots and talking about just any just getting connected, you know? Yep. Yep. That was that was more fun than watching my damn movie on a TV screen than any film festival. I don't think a single film festival you and I ever were a part of. We ever sat and watched a damn thing. We always went to the nope. bar. Yep, always. Come on, man. That's what you're supposed to do. Yep. <laughs> exactly. No, which- we we did. We connected all three of us, man. And Eric fit in so well with us as yeah. well. Yeah. Like yeah. Eric would. Eric's got such a sweet personality that he's, he was just game for it. Like all of it was funny. All of it was fine. All of it was cool. Like he was ready for whatever was ready to go down next. And then there was some sketchy shit that went down every single time we were anywhere. Well, because but, we uh, just like, I think we just, there in our real lives, like Blade is another cat altogether. He's another breed yeah. of human being where you and I play normal fine. 
Like we have yeah. normal white picket fence kind of lives yep. with, with yes. regular ass jobs and kids yeah. and things of that nature. <laughs> and then when we get together, we become idiots. We become it absolute all idiots. And yep. it all Blade, I hate saying that he was the he was the latter all the time because he's not an he, idiot he, by he, any he stretch of match. He was just free. He was a free yep. kind of person that just lived the life that he wanted to live. Yeah. That um, I don't know. It's not surprising that he burnt out really fast. No, um, I never expected that we would have Blade around forever. The way no. that the way that he he lived, but it was always like seeing him was. Uh, there was a part of my heart that always like jumped up a step when he was around because it was just like invigorating. Like I always yeah. was laughing all the time. I was always having fun all the time. I always knew yeah. no matter what came out of my, out of my mouth, he was probably going to laugh at it. And he uh, was fine with it, whatever it was. It didn't matter. There was no censorship whatsoever he was cancel culture he he is the like how he didn't get canceled only in the wrestling community because i'm could a man like blade braxton thrive and survive and not yeah. get completely canceled out on social media um but i i loved him nonetheless for 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 everything because he was at at, at his core uh regardless of the fact we were allowed to like vicariously live being normal dudes vicariously live through blade uh yeah. once in a while he was also a, a genuinely warm and sweet oh. and um really great individual on a personal level that over the yeah. years we all just it wasn't just fun time i know the episode you're about to listen to folks is a lot of hijinks it's a lot of us being idiots it's a lot of us <laughs> having fun and telling stupid stories and and just trying to make each other laugh but there were a lot of downtime uh moments in our lives that i just like those are the moments i will take with me yeah the hijinks yeah. the stupidness him drinking condensed soup out of pop top cans and <laughs> eating ravioli with big pens and and, and buying g uh, buying kiss shirts with eagles busting out of the chest and, and other stupid bullshit that shit i'll remember for sure but in some of the some of the quiet yeah. moments are are ones that uh there's some that i i definitely won't tell here on the podcast that I'll just keep with me that it just, you know what, man, there, when I heard about his passing, uh, that day, my phone was blowing up a mutual friend of ours. Um, Katie Tom, who has been in a number of your movies, uh, reached out yeah. to me, um, out of the blue and uh, over the years, and I'm sure she's not going to like hearing this if she listens to this at all. Over the years, she's been trying to get a copy of your movie, Girl Who Played with the Dead, out of me. And I, because you gave me all the copies to, to sell yeah, the I conventions and whatnot. And I never I have, had a copy I, I for her. I tried computer. finding one. I tried finding one. And, and, and she gets Thank a hold God. of me. I'm like, oh shit, here she is trying to get, hit me up for a goddamn copy of Girl Who Played with the Dead again. <laughs> and, and she gets a hold of me. And she's always been a, a genuine sweetheart. And oh, a really she's nice a person. Sweet. She's the best. Yeah. Um, she gets a hold of me and is like, so what's going on with Blade? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Days before, not even days before, like a day and a half before. 
we were all planning to go to a kiss show we were literally yeah. making plans like blade and i were picking out seats at yeah. in chicago to go see kiss we were like trying to plan a trip like not even a day and a half before this and and she's like uh i'm seeing things all over the place that he's dead i'm like wait oh, fuck, wait man. what and i start texting everyone and i, I mean eventually came about and i you know I wasn't uh, – obviously, it was going to affect me, but that hit me like a fucking cannon shot to my chest. Yeah. And I think my girlfriend Amy, after all of the, you know, sorting out uh, all the stuff that's gone down, she she relayed this to me because from day one, knowing her, we dated for two years now. I talked about blade from day one, like yep. all the time. I told stories about blade from day one. He would text me almost every other day or every day with some yep. stupid hijinks. And I would be laughing my ass off and I'd relay it to her. And yep. she, so she vicariously knew about blade just through me constantly talking about him and about our stupid, just, just the, the ridiculousness of our our friendship and she's like you know this is hitting you because he was one of your happy people he yeah. was one of your family yeah. he was one of those yep. people that uh regardless of anything that went down didn't bring you down ever and i never it, regardless of how things ended or anything that that went down um blade was the kind of person to me and obviously I, i'd love to hear your opinions on this afterward blade was the kind of person to me that um never unless you specifically asked him about it was never one that would ever let you know that something was wrong no he was a, no, he, he was the no. kind of person that it was always positive energy it was always yeah. um i'm good brother things are good yeah. brother i'm doing great brother the worst it would be is I'm tired or maybe yeah, I'm, I'm hung over, see, man. And, and it yeah, was never, I'm, it was never anything bad. It was never anything no. bad. So I never no. had had somebody in my life that was that positive all yeah. the time. So when I knew I needed to pick me up, I would hit blade up always, always, always. And with blade, uh, for me, um, once in a while, like, because he knew that I had done the wrestling stuff, uh, you know, for the last 20 whatever years. And so he knew that I knew the shit hurts and you get concussions and you get your ass knocked out and it's, you know, and it's not easy and you make no money, you know, the usual stuff. So once in a while, like I was, I, I swear to God, man, I was on his ass because he had come down here to do incest death squad two. And the week before he had gotten a concussion and then when he wanted to do some midnight rose and honky tonk mailman shit. So we rigged it all up where <laughs> we went to a McDonald's. We tried to do the Ken Patera thing and he yeah. threw a little tiny pebble at the window and ran the <laughs> yep. fuck off and that whole thing. And, uh, but then we did a thing at a Hooters where we got thrown out of Hooters. And so he took a bump. Sorry. He took a bump outside. 
He took a bump outside, and he wound up with a concussion on that one. And we still hadn't filmed for the movie yet. And so he was dealing with a concussion while we were filming uh, his scenes for uh, the one, the, the movie. I can't remember what movie it was, but whatever it was. It might have been Incest Death Squad. I think it was three because he was in three. three. Yeah. 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 He was the devil in three. Right. So that right, was the right. one. So, uh, wow. Am I tuned in to what the fuck I've been up to the last <laughs> four years? Right? Dude, life. There's a lot, a lot of things. There's a lot of, it's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I remember he had gotten a concussion and then he, he felt really bad, man. And I, I made it a point when we were filming those scenes for incest death squad three um i knew he was struggling um with his lines and with the delivery and all these things so and the worst part the fucking worst part of the whole thing was i had a girl there beautiful girl um shannon uh who was naked as a jaybird and covered in fake blood yeah. standing next to uh greg and that was the scene where Blade comes out and he's the devil and all this other shit. But she was sitting there. That shit was starting to dry on her tits and her nipples. Yeah. And it was getting a little uncomfortable as it was drying and stuff all over her body and her neck and stuff. And uh, Blade felt real bad that night. But I went out of my way to make sure. I said, Blade, don't. Hey, man, we we got all the time in the world. Tape is cheap. Yeah. Don't worry about it. He always worried about that, man. Yeah. Like every time we did one of the movies, like you, you probably – I mean, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with hole in the wall, you, you ran in the same damn thing. I I'm did. Sure. I, I did actually, there was, it was, it was a short film and, uh, we blade only has two lines in it and they yeah. were, they were VO overdubs. And yep. afterward when we were sitting there, it took us my lead actress who has the vast majority of the dialogue in the piece we pounded out her dialogue in 10 15 minutes it took yeah. blade and i two hours to pound out two lines of dialogue because he was so yeah. hard on himself about it yeah like that was i ran it. into that every time he was in one of the movies i ran into that with him and i was like blade i said i'm the goddamn guy gotta put this shit together I said, I know what's fine and what's good and yeah. what's usable, you know, but he was, he was his harshest critic on, uh, on everything he ever did. And I'm like, motherfucker, man, you, you're great. Don't, right. you, you ain't got to worry about it. No, no. And he was, it was awesome. And I kept telling him like, dude, we got it. We got it. He's like, no, I don't brother. We got to do this. Yeah. Again. Yeah. He was, again. he was I mean, always that way. I loved how much he cared about it. And it was, uh, yeah. It was, he gave a fuck, man. He really gave a fuck, and, and especially about, like, Tencent uh, bullshit. He really gave yeah. a fuck about it, which is why I think, you know, he went as far as he did with Troma and all the rest of the people yep. that he met along the way that made independent filmmakers, uh, no-budget underground yeah. filmmakers, and why he kept popping up and stuff is because, one, his, uh, his personality was so welcoming. He was he – yeah. He let everybody in. He was not yeah. a person like I, I've been told this my whole life. And this, this should be a shock to you, not be a shock to you in any way, shape or form that I am <laughs> not a welcoming person that I no, am, I'm not either, man, that I'm I, I, I've been told that I am intimidating, like people don't tend to like you are. Yeah. And I'm just like, 
okay, I don't feel that, <laughs> but but if you say so, I'm sorry. I'll have to try and adjust my, how I am. It's just you're just an advanced human being that in in a world of non-advanced human beings. <laughs> so some of us are intimidated by it. <laughs> Blade, there's no way you could be intimidated by Blade whatsoever and oh. which was like his superpowers that he was able yeah. to it, everybody man. everyone every last person yep. he welcomed in and every last yep. person he ever met that i knew uh loved him to death every person that i ever yep. introduced him to loved him to death uh my wife loved him my daughter loved my kids him. yeah like kids. everybody yeah, man. so it's it's sad to have someone uh, that wonderful uh, pass, especially somebody that you was a daily part of your life kind of pass. It was out. every day, man. It was yeah. every day. I had so, something else. I had something else to either send him or, you know, let him know because we had uh, we had kiss tickets, you know, all this shit, all this and, shit. Uh, and it'd been a few years like I. Uh, it's been it's i mean you are living in a completely other state now so i haven't seen you in a number of years other than us doing like no. video chats and, and talking on the phone or whatnot and i mean we talk all the time we it's not Constantly. like we don't stay in contact at all it's no. just we're, we just physically we don't go to concerts together more we don't we aren't able we're to do the up. shit we used to hopefully we're we do up. hopefully we do <laughs> um but blade and i still up until Almost the end, right before the last time I saw him was right before uh, lockdown hit because he him and fitness yeah. would always come down. Him and Eric would come to Wisconsin and do That's wrestling right. gigs. And I would yep. always drive down, down there to go to the shows. I would go to every show that I could. So yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It, it was for the first month. Now, I there were so many times where I wanted to reach out. And I can't yeah. bring myself and I couldn't bring myself to send any messages. You know how you send messages to a phone that, you know, no response. I couldn't no. do it. Yeah. I couldn't do no, it. No, I was, I've, I've done it the whole time. You I've have? done it the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and like on May the 4th, I posted up that picture of Bosk on his page. Cause I'm like, oh, God, fuck wonderful. May the 4th. That's for fucking Jedi's. We're bounty hunters. Fuck them. <laughs> That's why I put Bosco on. It brought face. a tear to my eye. That was wonderful. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's so much of it. It's like it, it's it's just so much stuff because you you really don't, man. I mean, you think about. I mean, especially in the last four years of how everything has become so polarized, right? And people have hunkered down in their little cults or their rabbit, you know, their rabbit holes or foxholes, and they're down and they're hunkered down and they're ready to fight everything. You don't have a lot of people in your life that just are just joy. You know just what I mean? People. It's like when I text you, when I text you or I send you something and I go, dude, what the fuck? And Hey, look at this. And you'll send back. We have a good laugh. It's a great, you know, interaction that we have basically on a daily basis, you and I. Yep. And I, and with Paul, my friend, Paul, you know, Paul. Yeah. And uh, like Paul and you and Paula, are the three people on this planet that I have those those that connection with, and that truly, I have a lot of people that I really do, truly and dearly love and appreciate, but I don't have people that get me, um, that get 
how my mechanisms work and yeah. get how how I tick and you know what I mean. It's like like I, I I think about it a lot of times with you and me. Like you to me have the the sort of personality, the drive for the movie industry and all that stuff that I wish I had. I'm just an ornery fuck, and I'm not. <laughs> I, I I really am, man, and yeah. and. Like, I don't let shit go or anything like that. And you, to me, are the embodiment of, of what I want to be as a, uh independent artist, as an independent filmmaker, writer, uh, editor, all these things. And so there's not a lot of people that you share that sort of shit with, man. Mm-hmm. You just don't. You know, I mean, we know a lot of people in this industry and I've met how many goddamn workers and, and the boys in the locker room, the girls right. in the locker room at wrestling shows. Have I met how many have I connected with red lightning, Don Rue, blade Braxton. I mean, that's really who I uh, keep close. So, I mean, as you go through this journey, uh, you know, of life um, and, and let's be honest, you only got one shot. Yeah. Uh, you can sit there and think you got some shit waiting for you afterwards, but uh we'll see um but you know throughout this journey man you don't find a lot of people that you really connect with and to have you uh and that blade and uh you know a few other people it's i mean that you you can't put a price tag on something like that you know and to be able to share that and and with Blade, he was so he was such a fucking weirdo, man. He was so fucking proud of being, and he used to call. And I know it ain't PC, and you can cancel me all day because I don't give a fuck. Yeah, he used to say I was the cripple with a twister fetish in Mediatrix. Like he shows up in Mediatrix in a wheelchair, and he's pissing and moaning about how he can't play Twister, and he wants uh, Marianne to uh, heal him so he can again play twister (laughs) and get out of his wheelchair and he was so proud of being that character for so long that a part of me um likes to think that blade uh accelerated me to get back into doing more in the wrestling world and i accelerated him to get going in the movie world a little bit more you know um because once i knew that he was he wanted to do movies and he wanted to be um, on that level doing trauma type stuff. Once I knew that I was like, you're in every movie I ever make, man. No question. You have a part. I'll write you oh, something. You absolutely. Know, easy one. Absolutely. And so that was, that was such a cool thing that, that we kind of shared back and forth. And the thing that, that just, that fucking destroys me is that this summer, uh, him and I were going to do a honky tonk mailman and midnight rose. Uh, I was going to get us a bunch of bookings around the area yeah. uh, when he was down here so that we could just go and, 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 you know, and do whatever. And so we never got to do that. That was disappointing. And we had kiss tickets for August. Yeah. And, uh, he was, he, and, and the funniest one was man, cause you know how blade was. And he was going to do my flooring in the house. I wanted the whole fucking place done. All the flooring, all redone in the house. And uh, he was going to come down to do the flooring in conjunction with the KISS concert. And so I told him of, like two like two weeks before everything. I said, dude, I said, if you don't need the money to, to have a good trip down here, don't do my floors. I'll have somebody else do them. 
You just come down for two weeks and we'll go to the beach. We'll go to kiss. We'll hang out. We'll shit around, do whatever you want to do. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Man, fine. You know, whatever. He was fine with it. it he didn't need the dough. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get the floors done. You come up and we're going to have a good party. And, uh, you know, that was, that was like the last few conversations that I had with him was shit we were planning to do, you know? Right. And, uh, the one that he was going to do, man, I, I think I told, I told you this. Yeah. Uh, the, the one that he was planning to do, cause he bought my camera, uh, from me. I just, I was like 50 bucks, dude, you know, or whatever. I had 75 bucks. And I say, here, it's your, you mean the stuff that you shot the me. movies on? Yeah. Yeah. He had my camera that I shot all, oh, everything I, I ever that. made. Yep. 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 Cause he wanted to start doing the movies and stuff. So I was like, dude, I said, I'm, I, I got my use of the camera. It was an SD camera yeah. on top of it. Yeah. Um, so I said, dude, I said, just give me like, I, I think I said like, give me 50 bucks, 50 bucks. And he was going to start making his movies. His first movie he was going to make. And I, I tried like hell to talk him out of it was a sequel to girl who played with the dead. <laughs> I said, why the fuck? I said, nobody, I, I told him, I said, Blade, I said, you were brilliant. Shannon Lark was brilliant. Everybody in the movie was fantastic. It had lots of boobs and lots of blood. What a great film. I said, nobody saw the first one, man. I said, why do you want to make a second one? That You know, I said, why don't you make something that is original? So I, that was the fight that him and I were having uh, before he passed away was I said, dude, don't hit your fucking wagon to my stupid shit. Yeah, I said, get your thing. I said, good, do your thing, man. I said, you got every, you got more connections and more shit. I said, girl who played with the dead. I said, nine fucking people saw that movie. I said, go do your shit, man. I said, you got the, 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 everything's wide open in front of you. So, well, I think he, it, it as a person, he was somebody who extremely valued uh, loyalty with yeah. the people that treated him with respect. And yeah, because I, you know what, man? And I think that's a big thing. Like, I don't know about you, but just in the last four or five years, like I've spent my whole life uh, being made to feel like I'm kind of an outcast, like I don't fit in, uh, like there's nowhere that I'm really comfortable uh, that I'm kind of like, oh, he's the guy listening to that weird music. He's the guy who makes those weird movies. You know what I mean? Like you're you're an outlier. Right. And the last four years have really shown me that I'm not. Nope. You know what I mean? Like I'm mind-numbingly fucking boring <laughs> uh, to the point of, of, of uh, I don't have an interesting story to tell. And so Blade working into that uh, was sort of the same thing uh, as well. You know, just knowing that uh, – we're normal. You know what I mean? Like blade showed me that, that I'm, I'm normal. I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like I was never out cause you grabbed dude. We grew up in the same fucking area. Yeah. You know what I mean? That wasn't the, like, if you weren't playing football and you weren't a jock or you didn't have a cool car, who the fuck were you? I was a pothead fucking metalhead kid yeah. and I didn't fit in. And when I was with blade, man, I felt like that entire misfit world was mine. Yep. You know what I mean? Like blade commanded. He was like the fucking leader of the lollipop guild <laughs> of the weirdos. 
And when I was in his orbit, man, I felt like I, I felt okay. You know, he was one of the few people that made me feel really okay with who I was and how I thought and, and, and things. And, and like you said too, man, like Blade and I did not have the same personality. We had fucking opposite ends of the spectrum personality um, where he was a, and I hate to use that term, but social butterfly. He really was. Oh, he is just because he's just a genuinely like bubbly social person. Even though I said times of very, of very quiet, uh, like him alone or him with one person down times of very kind of just like soft spoken kind of bladeness which i don't think a lot of people really know about him which but nobody should be surprised by that nobody's on 24 hours a day he was he was a social butterfly he was somebody that constantly like when he was put into that situation he he oh he's so good he and and my thing is man i don't know about you but i gotta turn it on i either gotta have six eight beers smoke a little grass do something in order to get into that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to be able to do that shit. Cause that's just not my fucking brand. Whereas he would go out, forget it. I mean, and he made you want to do it because he was so nice to everybody and yep. so warm and so welcoming that you were like, fuck yeah, I want to be warm and nice and welcoming and, and, and everything blade. Honest to God, man made me, at times, a much better human being, um, which is strange to say. But he was also a guy, man. Like you got him for a long time. Like he comes stay with you forever. Fucker used to come with me for two weeks at a time. Yep. He'd just camp out, and I'd be like, "All right, man, we're going to the fucking UCD store. All right, we're gonna go to the junk store. We're gonna go to Goodwill." He was and, so happy and, and, just and, going antiquing, like literally yeah, going fucking around storing. The funniest one he had a we went to half price books on I can't remember East Washington or whatever it was in Madison, and he found a CD from a band called White Widow. Now it looked like metal, see, because it had a fucking uh, axe on the front, it had a big electric guitar on the front, and a uh, tombstone. Oh, I remember that. It was a tape. Yeah, I remember that. I was there. <laughs> and I was driving at the time. This is, you want to talk about sexy. I was driving a town and country minivan that I bought from my in-laws. Silver ass minivan. But yeah. it had 200,000 miles on it. And I had a cassette deck. And that's why Blade marked out on that shit. Because we had Widow. And he could pop that tape in. Adelaide, my daughter, is sitting in the back seat. She bought two, two and a half or whatever. Right. And Blade pops that in. And he's got his, that prick has got his Kroger flip phone out. He's taping <laughs> this momentous occasion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Us listening to the the widow or yep. bitch or whatever the fuck the name of the record was. Yep. And it was a piece of shit. But that was one of his, like, that was the moments you had with that fucking guy. And he was so proud of those moments where he's like, yep. man, I found this piece of shit. And we fucking listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, he was just a fun, he was just fucking fun. Yeah, my I think my thing and and maybe a closing thought for all of this um, is that he made life slow down. And yeah, that's that's kind of like my 
lasting impression of Blade is that um, in all the bullshit in real life, that the times that I had with him allowed me to slow down and distance the nonsense for a little while. And um, I'll always remember him as as somebody that just made me really extremely happy. Yeah, dude. Made me laugh and made me extremely happy. Not to say that that we're not going to still go do stupid shit and and laugh a ton or not. It's just there has been an emptiness since uh, March 28th that's been uh, kind of tough to to kind of like put my hands around. So um, this this episode here is not just uh, for you guys that are listening. Uh, Obviously, I I put this together for you all to kind of like enjoy because it's it's pretty much all really funny uh the yeah. entire time but it's it i mostly kind of put this episode together i'm not a religious person i am an atheist i don't believe in the afterlife but at some i was raised roman catholic so some of that bullshit still is run, running around in my head i like to think at some point putting this out into the ether that Blade knows how much I cared about him. And nah, he knows this that. is for Corey, you and I, and anyone that were friends with him or had, uh, fuck, let me collect myself. Anyone that had uh, a relationship with him that kind of knew, know where we're coming from. Something to go back to when you need that Blade fix. And you need, you want to just kind of escape for a little while and have some laughs, uh, unbridled by bullshit. Uh, that's why the beginning of this episode starts with Blade basically saying, "Hey, we're gonna still be doing Astro Radio Z when we're fifty years old, so I can sit and talk about uh, midgets having rough sex, right?" <laughs> I want everybody to remember what it's like and have this episode for them when they need that dose of unbridled, just hilarity, just, just to escape for a little while, not only from your own, you know, what tightly wound asshole, but from just the the nonsense of the world. And, um, so uh this is this is for for you blade and this obviously is for us Corey. uh most of all because it's you and i and him almost entirely through this entire episode um is there anything you want to say before we uh we let this this sucker play out because this is a long episode an eclipse show that's (laughs) that's not just us there's there's a few people uh that were part of his life that have also kind of uh, contributed to this as well. Is there anything you want to say before uh, we close this out? It, it That's very cool. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this, uh, you know, the whole episode. But the, the thing with Blade was that uh, Blade made me not only happy, 
but Blade made the world I lived in a better place. And I can't say that about myself. I try really hard. Um, and hopefully somebody, a third party can say, oh, Corey made the world a better place. You know what I mean? Uh, I try, I'm cognizant of that, but I know that Blade made the world a better place just in general, just by him being who he was. And it wasn't something that made sense to a lot of people. That was the one thing I found, and Derek, you found it too, I'm sure. When you go through making the movies and all this stuff, it's kind of like you're a little bit of an outcast. You're not, you know what I mean? Oh, you're an artist in a way, uh, but you make these weird movies, you know, you're, you're sort of over here. Blade made me feel like being a fucking freak and being a weirdo was okay. And when I was with him, uh, I was uh, allowed to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like I was really allowed to not be sort of skittish about letting that out. Being like, oh no, I'm a weird guy. I like weird stuff. I want to do weird things. Yeah. Uh, he was that guy. Uh, because and, and, and Blade, the best thing about Blade for me was that Blade was not a, it, there was no destruction. It wasn't destructive, um, unabashed, uh, sort of living free. Uh, he lived free. He didn't fuck anybody over. Never. He was, he did his thing. He knew how he, he was going to make his path. And he did it that way, and he never stepped on one person the entire time I ever knew that guy. He never shit on anybody. And I cannot say the same thing about me. I can't I say, can't I say the same thing nobody. about me either. No, man. But of all the people I've ever known in my life, that dude never shit on nobody and never stepped on nobody to get where he was. He was one of the most solid human beings that I've known ever. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, ever will know. You know what I mean? Yep. I get it. I feel it. And, uh, not to, not to pull out your cock and, and stroke it, but, uh, as uh, the great Peter Chris says, uh, you matter to me, Corey. I feel the same way yeah, about you. Uh, you guys are family to me and and brothers. So, uh, yeah, yep. Uh, I didn't want to get all fucking emotional on this. I just wanted to because I loved I loved the last episode of WrestleCrap Radio where RD professionally held it together. And yeah. sent Blade off in such a great way. Uh, there's no yeah. way. I'm such. I can't. I'm a bleeding heart. I wear everything yeah. on my sleeve. Um, and I. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for me to contain myself in that way. And uh, especially for the last few months where I've just been a fucking mess about this. So, yeah. uh, Blade, uh, this episode's for you. Uh, Corey, this episode's for you. And everybody else out there that knew Blade or didn't know Blade, I hope you enjoy this. Um, so 
before we get into it, we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of moment of silence uh, for Blade, and then uh, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, love you and miss you, brother. Wait a minute. I, I, here's the thing. I would, yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys for letting me, uh, letting me uh, call in here. I kind of like, uh, kind of like, um, oh, kind of like the guy jerking off in the corner of a swingers' hall. Oh, you know, not really. No, no, that's supposed to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we love guys jerking off in the corner on this program. How did you get involved in professional wrestling? I mean, this isn't the, you know, a, a normal. It's a thing, you know, and this is coming from me, who makes incest death squad. But getting into professional wrestling, that's not a normal thing. Most most people do. I mean, all as kids, I mean, we all grew up with this stuff. But but how how did you get involved? Like, did you did you go to a training camp? Did you did you run into a former professional wrestler and talk him into it? What take me through the process? Um, uh, man, I, you know, honestly, man, I've always uh, I've just always loved performing, man, and. Uh, you know, it dates back to my first performance I ever did in front of a crowd, man. That adrenaline rush you get. Yeah, I, I dated all back to my sixth grade, my sixth grade talent show, man. There was kindergartners all around. There were first graders, second graders, and uh, somehow, some way, there was there, there was a new there was a new teacher that approved all the skits we did. You know, well, we decided to do a Friday the thir- Friday the Thirteenth skit. You know. I was Jason, of course, and you remember those little trick knives with a little spring, little switchblades. You can, it looks like you stab people, and it, you know goes into the handle. Uh, in front of a bunch of five-year-old children, I wipe out about eight people, and my you know, <laughs> my, my teachers look look in awe and uh, just gasp. And uh, there was there was a, bl- a black friend of mine who was in the cast, and we we constructed we constructed a fake head with an afro wig on it. I knocked that off and. It was a beautiful thing, man. And when I did that, and I offended so many people, I knew that you know this. I've got to I mean, I've got to perform like this, man. And um, you know, uh, and then from there, you know, I uh, I would make you know, make movies with my friends and stuff like that. And eventually, you know, fifteen years later, I, I got into wrestling one of you know one of three ways. You know, either you're really jacked on steroids and big, bend over. Or C, you know, you just know somebody. And I happened to, you know, a few of my friends that happened from uh, from middle school that happened to get into the business. And, you know, that was my way in, you know. So, And the rest is history. It's all, it's all, it all, you know who you blow. 
Did you then go to, you know, because I mean, I have a point of reference on this, but some of the audience may not. Excuse me. Did you then go to like a training camp where you learn how to be a professional wrestler, where you learn how to, um, you know, do these things without killing yourself or other people? Mm. Uh, You know, I had, you know, I had a little, you know, know, some moderate training. I mean, I never, I never fooled myself. I knew I was never going to be a professional wrestler. I mean, I was, uh, I'm just not an athlete. We'll say that. Um, So I did the, you know, did the amount of training I needed to uh, provide what I could bring to the table wrestling wise, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've taken my bumps. I've learned this, I've learned that. But uh, in regards to, you know, going through a 16 week course at, you know, Mad Dog Vashon's training school. No, I never did that. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm there. I'm there. You know, what I bring to a wrestling show is my golden tones and obviously my regularly handsome good looks. It's the good looks that really take care of business too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so you go and you, you know you kind of learn how to you know do this and do that. So, what was your first match that you had in front of people? And how many people was it? Where was it? Who was it against? How did it go? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, for, for you know, for managers like me, you know, the first match is a, you know battle royal. You know what I mean? But uh, right. the, the the first the first show I ever did. You know, uh, I was, they were brought me in. I was going to be Blade Braxton, the the wrestling commissioner. And it was a big, you know, it was Christmas. It was a big Toys for Tots drive. You know, a lot of love in the air, right? Of course. <laughs> it's a charity event. <laughs> there was five paying people. <laughs> uh, every bit of it goes to charity. And if you know me, if you know, I mean, if if you know the Blade Braxton persona uh, from the inter from the internet, you know I'm a little crazy. I'm a little, you know, I have uh, I can rip people apart. I'm slightly filthy, but they wanted me to be they wanted me to be G-rated good guy Blade. Oh yeah. Oh fuck. So here I am. I'm in front of <laughs> five people staring at me like I fucking some alien from outer space. And it was a brutal. <laughs> I'll have to upload it to YouTube sometime, man. I had a good time, but I really didn't start to enjoy the wrestling business until after I had stopped. I hadn't worked any shows for years, and I, I came back as the Midnight Rose. You know, man, it was just it was on, man. It was full speed ahead, brother. So you kind of got out and kind of reassessed it and, and, and saw it from a different from a different perspective, maybe was it kind of a matter of you know when you first got in, you're going, this is my ticket, this is what I want to do, you know, and then you get out and go, man, I just want to do this, you know, you you want to do it for you mainly, not for anybody else. Was that kind of what it was, or or how'd that go? Uh, you know what, man, I was just you know I was just burned out. I was just burned out on wrestling in general, man. You know, I mean, I had no desire to get in front of a crowd. I had no desire to watch it on TV. It's just completely burned out. You know, maybe maybe a little bit of personal life at the time. You throw that in there, too. And it made for just, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. But, um, and I I didn't work a show for, I didn't work a show for th- three, about three years. And then I was, I was in the crowd, and I happened to have this cheesy mask and some costumes in the, in the back of my uh, car because I was... Um, I had I had went to a show 
to um, to film a, a vignette for YouTube um, for for WrestleCrap. I had all this shit, all these costumes in the back of my, in the back of my truck. And my friend, my friend Tom comes up to me. I'm just sitting in the crowd. He's like, man, one of the managers called in. He's like, you want to work? The, he's not going to make it. He's like, uh, do you want to work the show? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it if I can wear this stupid fucking flower-covered wrestling mask. You know? Because <laughs> <laughs> it makes no fucking sense. And I did it. And it just so, I mean, and it just so happened that we happened to be uh, the guy I was managing this devil wrestler named Blasphemy. Uh, we were wrestling against this hometown guy who had like his whole fucking family there and everybody they knew. So it was like, it was like I was going like, like me and Blasphemy were going into this guy's hometown and man, just the, the, the it was the biggest crowd I'd ever, you know, the most heat, the loudest reaction I'd ever heard. And it was like a drug, man. I was like, wow, man. I was like, this is fucking great. You know, I mean, everything I'm doing, you know, it's just, it was, it was like nuclear level, man. And I was like, okay, I got to do this again. You know, I mean, this is great. I mean, this is, you know, this, I'd never really experienced this before. You know, being in front of 50 fucking people and, you know, uh, 30 of them were fucking, you know, wiping their kids' noses. You know what I mean? Not even paying attention to the mess. And ever since then, man, it's, it's been on, man. It's like, let's do this. Let's, and let's do it. Let's do it like it's never been done before. And that's why that's why I'm rocking and rolling with Mr. Fitness, too. Shake weight, from what I've seen. They, he actually comes up with a shake weight. The shake weight assassin. That's right, man. So take take somebody through the process of when you do a, you know, a wrestling show, not to reveal the man behind the curtain, you know, per se, but, um, you know, w when you show up to do a wrestling show, whether you are in the ring um, or, or whether you're managing or, or, or doing what you're doing, you know, how early do you get to, you know, to, to, the, to the arena that you're performing at? How does it all go? Like, what, take us kind of through the process of being a manager or professional wrestler when you show up at the event. You know, uh, go over everything, man. Uh, you know, drink a drink a few Miller High Lives, uh, all that good stuff, man. Uh, it's like magic, man. Just happens. It just happens, man. That's right. So now let's go into uh, let's go into wrestle crap a little bit. For those right. who don't know wrestle crap is this is something that I discovered years ago. And it's something I fell in love with, and it's something I check. Honest to God, I go to WrestleCrap.com, and this, is, this ain't bullshit. I go there at least once a week. I, I know when you guys do the updates. I go there to check it out. For those who don't know what WrestleCrap is or maybe aren't fans of professional wrestling, tell us all about WrestleCrap and what that is. All right. Um, I'm sure if you lived in the 80s, you all remember Hulk Hogan. You all remember Rowdy Roddy Piper, Junkyard Dog, Andre the Giant. Everything that was that occurred at the apex of professional of professional wrestling. And what you may not remember, because you may have tuned out, is you know when the popularity you know, waned. Uh, Vince McMahon, you know, would throw shit at the wall to see if it would stick. And in the, you know, early to mid-90s, you got, uh, you'd have Vince McMahon, you know, trot out, oh, let's see here, wrestling plumbers and wrestling trash men. And he found, put, he put, he put men in turkey suits. 
We put men in hockey suits, uh, hockey uniforms. Um, basically, WrestleCraft was just, you know, my friend Artie Reynolds invented it, and it just made fun of all the stupid stuff that occurred in wrestling. You know, I mean, people, you know, grown men who uh, spike their hair up, dye it red, and start pecking and kicking the dirt and calling themselves the Red Rooster. You know what I mean? <laughs> And we took them to the task, and uh, um, you know I, uh, and it's you know it spawned uh, you know of course it's it was one of the you know it's easily the uh, you know greatest uh, wrestling humor site that has ever been on the internet. But uh, you know I mean uh, if you want to talk about popularity, I mean it spawned you know three best-selling books, um, you know cheap you know, cheap shield. One of them I co-wrote with Artie on the, the longest-running episodic wrestling podcast in the history of man, WrestleCraft Radio. We also have a few guests, including the Honky Tonk Mailman. That guy's great, man. I'm a big fan of the Honky Tonk Mailman. I, I, you know, somebody told somebody told me that you're such a big fan of the Honky Tonk Mailman that you can do a, a dead-on impression of him. You know, I've been working on it. I've been trying for a while. I've been, you know, because, you know, I do that. Once in a while, I'm, I'm kind of a method, uh, you know, uh, blog talk radio host, <clears throat> whereas uh, I will actually sit in a room by myself, not unlike uh, Heath Ledger, what he did for the Joker. <laughs> and uh, I will sometimes just sit in a room by myself and try to come up with these voices and things. I mean, it's not it, it's not as good as it could be if I had a little more time. And of course, I'm not going to sound anything like Honky Tonk Mailman, but I'll I'll try to uh, I'll, I'll do my best. That's all I can do. <laughs> Entertain the people. Let's see. <clears throat> I got to clear my throat. I got to get in character. Blah blah blah. <clears throat> kind of a girl. Kind of a diva. <clears throat> Let's see here. So, Wade uh, Maxwell, thank you very much. This is a beautiful blog talk radio show. This is a honky tonk mailman coming at you live and in living color. Thank you very much. Wow, man. Holy shit. Pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not great. It's not honed. It's not perfect. But <laughs> shit, I'm doing what I can. Dude, it's so like I was on the other line with that guy. <laughs> oh, that guy, that guy is a legend. By the way, I don't know if uh, have, have you happened to uh, have you happened to uh, see any of the Midnight Rose and Honky Tonk Mailman videos on YouTube? Oh my God, these things are fantastic! They're they're sweeping the world. These videos. <laughs> yeah. People are view uh, people 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 are tuning in by the hundreds, <laughs> <laughs> by the dozens. You can't be. We're, we're, you got to beat them off with a stick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh my great, god! Oh man, that that's video that's video from Midnight Rose and Holly Don Mailman uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I know me and you both were there. I was uh, there. I actually saw some of that. I got to meet the Honky Tonk Mailman, and and it was, I mean, honest to God, it was it was better than meeting Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> if I may be that bold. Yeah, you probably yeah yeah you know you probably have a you know. All these people that worship a cross, you probably you probably have you probably have a, a pink Cadillac uh, around around on a, around your neck on a necklace, don't you? Picture of the honky tonk mailman in a heart locket with Peggy Lou and the Colonel. No, let me tell you something. I've been, I've been doing these radio shows for six years, um, dude. Some of the best shows are just the most train wreck shows, man. I'll never forget. There's a show I did where I couldn't I, I couldn't um, I couldn't say one sentence without starting to cough. But I would try to hold my cough in. 
You know what I mean? I mean? You don't want to be coughing every 10 seconds on the air. But when I held my cough in, I would react kind of like Burgess Meredith in Batman, the TV series. And yes, and that became one of the one of the people's most favorite episodes, which we call the Penguin episode. The Penguin. <laughs> 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 I'm doing that all show long. Dude, that's the sound you make if you're on an internet podcast trying to hold in a cough. <laughs> hold on a second. Um, this uh, this girl I know that attends wrestling shows. This is uh, this is what she wrote on on Facebook regarding this uh, thing tonight. This is probably going to be like inside the actor's studio for me. I think if I never decided to do WrestleCrap Radio, I guarantee you I would have thousands upon thousands of more brain cells than I do now. <laughs> because people, people, expect, people expect me to be drunk, man. They expect a train wreck. Are you crying tonight? Are you
Listeners, it's our honor to bring on the host of Drive-In Movie Maniacs, Blade's longtime creative partner, Tim Sweeten. You know, I met Blade in 2011. Um, I was, at the time, getting ready to create an event called Horror on the Boulevard, which only existed in my mind at that point. Um, I started getting back into horror hosting, uh, watching it on television by getting back into it is what I mean. And uh, it just got me thinking that... uh, I'd like to put an event together and and just do a horror event and bring in some celebrities and do all these things and yada, yada, yada. And so I started putting together this event called Horror on the Boulevard down at uh, one of the local drive-ins, which obviously was the Boulevard drive-in at the time. Um, I had, uh, I think I booked a few movies. Uh, I want to say one of them was Friday the 13th. I think we did Nightmare on Elm Street or, oh gosh, I can't even remember. We did Friday the 13th and Army of Darkness and something else that first year. And so I had put some flyers together that were just kind of promoting the event. I really didn't even have the whole thing put together yet and uh, decided I was going to go promote the event. You know, I had it booked, I had the venue booked, I had the dates, I had the movies, I didn't have all the guests and all the vendors lined up and didn't really know where it was going at the time, but it was kind of growing from that moment on. It just kind of became something of its own, and I went to another horror convention was happening that year for the first time in Kansas City called Crypticon um, uh, in 2011, and I went to the first Crypticon and uh was working my table and troy came by blade came by my table and uh saw that i was promoting this event and he's like oh these are great movies yada 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 and i told him you know i was looking for people to be there and be guests and things like that well i didn't know at the time he was the midnight rose i didn't know anything about that you know he was just some person passing taking a flyer from me uh we clicked over horror movies and just discussing things and he seemed like a cool guy um like i said i didn't know anything about him at the time i just i just met him he was some some guy i kind of clicked with at a convention um and i'd seen him i think a couple of times that weekend and then as the weekend was wrapping up, I remember walking down the aisle towards some of the celebrities. Beverly Randolph from uh, Return of the Living Dead was there. And uh, I walked by her table, and there's this dude in a wrestling mask, this flowery, flowery, flower-covered wrestling mask, and he's interviewing her. And I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of walking by like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, who the hell is this guy? What what the what the fuck is going on? Why is there a guy dressed like a fucking wrestler interviewing Beverly Randolph from Return of the Living Dead? I, I was just completely like, I didn't know anything. I was just completely lost. And I was like, this is so, so weird. And, and that was my first introduction to the Midnight Rose was just in passing was this loud guy talking to Beverly Randolph. I really can't even remember what he was saying to her. I just remember him being very animated and, and very loud. And again, I did not know it was the same guy I think I had talked to either earlier in the day or earlier in the weekend. And I had not put that together yet either. <clears throat> 
But uh, like a week or so within between that event and my event, I think Troy had gotten a hold of me on Facebook or something and asked me if I was interested in having one of the local professional wrestlers be a guest at my event. You know, because at this point I was just trying to pull celebrities, people, maybe local celebrities, anybody who had any kind of following that might bring some more people to my event. I was willing to. Yeah, let's go. Let's do this thing. And, um, you know, I think that first year I had Ari Lehman, who played the original Jason from Friday the 13th there. I had uh, the girls, uh, Marlena Midnight from Midnight Mausoleum and uh, Robin Graves. They all came down from Iowa. And, you know, we had some local celebrities like Ari Bavel, who was in Zombie Geddon, another trauma film, you know. So that all tied in with Troy. And anyways, Troy came to uh, Horror on the Boulevard that October and put on his mask and just kind of walked around and, you know, was a celebrity guest at my event. Um, And him and I just kind of ended up walking around, kind of spending the whole weekend hanging out together and getting to know each other. I want to say he only came, maybe he, you know, I don't think he was even there Friday night. I think he only came on Saturday, if I remember correctly, you know, Um, and, uh, him and I just really clicked, and uh, I remember by the end of that weekend, I felt like I had found another brother uh, who just loved all the same things that I loved, and, you know, from trauma movies to uh, the young ones, you know, to just crazy obscure horror movies, movies in general, toys, kiss. I mean, we just connected on so many levels and just, you know, we were both kids from the seventies and, you know, he was like, you know, he was five years younger than me. So it was like, my brother's four years younger than me, so it was like an. Uh, it was almost like having another younger brother. I mean, he was. I mean, that much of a connection with the guy. I mean, immediately it was just like some kind of connection. It was just weird. I can't explain it. And uh, over the next couple of years, we became friends. And uh, by the following year, I had come up with out of the doing the horror event. I had come up with the idea of doing a a horror-based horror host show and bringing back horror hosting to Kansas City and getting us on TV. I had some connections with some of the local public access television stations, and so I was going to you know, try to put together this TV show and get it on these local stations. And really, that was my original five-year plan was within five years from 2012-ish was to just make a show and get it on TV. And I had the connections uh, to do that. My friend Ken was in film school. Um, and I just started talking to him about it, and he in turn introduced me to Josh Reinhardt, who is our, uh, you know, is now my editor and the producer of Drive-In Movie Maniacs with me, you know, and uh, like I said, that's where Drive-In Movie Maniacs came out of, was Horror on the Boulevard and doing those events, 
and me just coming up with this crazy idea of taking what we were doing at the drive-in and just putting it on TV. You know, I had the band, the Haunted Creepies, who uh, were a band who were friends of mine who actually existed before this show and, and were doing their own thing. So I had music. I had an actual house band. You know, I had all these things in place, and I just started picking up all my friends who were doing different projects and saying, hey, you want to help me do this? You want to do this? And it just became a hodgepodge of different people um helping me put together this tv show <clears throat> and because i knew blade was a professional you know wrestler a local wrestler or whatever um i knew at some point i wanted to do an episode with him and have him come on the show and and do something with him um i didn't know exactly what we were going to do i mean we didn't even know what we were going to do with the tv show at all when we started so it was like those first episodes were just like kind of fly by the seat of our pants. I, I, I didn't even write scripts for them because I was just like, let's, you know, we were just sitting around talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. It's like, we need to just get out and start filming some stuff and just seeing what we can come up with. And maybe through filming some stuff, we can get some ideas. You know, I look back at our first episode and I just cringe because... It's just me goofing around at the drive-in with no real uh, sense of direction when we first started. And then these ideas just started coming where, you know, Terrible Tim is at this drive-in and the Haunted Creepies are... Uh, this group of phantoms who haunt the drive-in and they play all this crazy rock and roll music and drive Tim crazy, right? And he's always trying to get them out of the drive-in so he can show movies for the night and the Haunted Creepies are always kind of messing things up and getting in his way and yada, yada, yada. And so the whole premise of the Midnight Rose came from... Uh, being from the the premise of the Midnight Rose being on the show came from us, uh, me needing someone to come in and get the haunted creepies out. Uh, on the second episode, I, I or the third episode, I think I brought in an exterminator who was gonna exterminate, you know, spray the place for haunted creepies, but he couldn't handle it. And he's like, You need to get a specialist. And he told me I need to get a hold of the Midnight Rose. And I'm like, what the hell is the Midnight Rose? You know, it's like a flower. You know what I mean? As, you know, on the show, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I had the whole, you know, character lined up, you know, to come in the next following week, you know. And uh, the Midnight Rose uh, was going to come in and basically beat up the Haunted Creepies on his first uh, appearance on Drive-In Movie Maniacs. And that's kind of what we went with, you know. Uh I call up the Midnight Rose and I ask him to come down and beat up a bunch of haunted creepies and uh, we proceeded to film it and get it on film and it exists. There's a great episode where we you know, show Night of the Living Dead, which I think is kind of fitting because I met Blade you know, and he's interviewing Beverly Randolph for Return of the Living Dead and the first episode I have him on is Night of the Living Dead, so I think... I feel that kind of makes sense for some weird reason. But uh, I remember we filmed that episode and uh, had so much fun filming with Blade and doing all the things and just having such a good time with him that I wanted to bring him back on the, uh, you know, the next episode and, and kind of tie it in. And then uh, 
when I went to call him the next week, hey, man, you want to come down and do some filming this week with us and do something more on that, you know, where we kind of left off? He's like, oh, well, I couldn't get a hold of him. He's in the south of France, you know, doing the Troma uh, Cannes Film Festival. I was like, well, wait a minute, you know. He was just here a few days ago, and how the hell did he get to the south of France? I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? How, what? I mean, I still didn't know everything about Troy, you know, and I didn't know just how deeply he was involved with trauma and uh, how passionate he was about working for Lloyd and all those guys. Um, just the idea that, you know, this guy was in Kansas City filming with me a few days later. He's in the south of France and didn't even say a word about it. And I'm like, man, this guy, I, I knew then that this guy was something else and that he was very dedicated to his work and that Troy was a a very passionate person about what he did, you know, because when I talked to him about it, I was like, dude, how the, how the hell did you get to the south of France? How could you afford that? And blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, that's when he proceeded to tell me, oh, you know, to work for Troma, you know, and do all that kind of stuff you just you got to save money and flip the bill and i flew myself in and put myself up and did all this and i'm like what the fuck dude you flew yourself to france and did all this he goes yeah it's just dedication man it's what you got to do to to be part of it and i'm like that's crazy you know i mean and that leads into troy's work ethic you know the guy would work these crazy freaking jobs and take on these big contracts and doing all these flooring jobs for all these guys and he would you know get behind on all these jobs and then he would like end up spending the night on the job for like three days in a row and just hammer it out with little cat naps and live off you know cans of soup and spaghettios and rolled up tostinos pizzas and whatever the guy you know and he would just slam these hard hours out and then he would take off and do you know save up a bunch of money and take off and do another one of his projects man i mean he would just he would just work himself to death in a lot of ways you know what i mean to 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 the point where i just i couldn't understand i was like man this guy he is just he has something else you know this is a guy who who loves doing what he does you know i always in a weird way, it's almost that he knew that he was living on borrowed time in a way, you know what I mean? He would put in these crazy hours and do all this stuff, and it just seemed like he had so much he wanted to do and get done because maybe he knew his time was limited on this earth. I don't know, man. It's 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 crazy to think about when you think about it, but, you know, the guy was always there for me. I can't ever say anything bad about him in any way shape or form in that regard he was always there for me if he had to do something you know some job somewhere else or film something somewhere else or he had a wrestling gig somewhere else the night before he would be driving four five six hours back overnight getting no sleep hung over and show up and 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 go on set for driving movie maniacs i mean it was just insane the guy's work ethic and and what he would do, you know, to be part of what I had, you know, the fact that he would even want to be a part of something that I created and was so passionate about driving movie maniacs, you know what I mean? Sometimes he was almost more passionate about it than I was. And he promoted it like, 
I mean, sometimes he would promote this shit better than I did. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't, I mean, dude, we wouldn't have half the fans we have if it wasn't for Troy doing what he did. And, you know, I'll never be able to pay him back for that. And that, that sucks because we had a lot of things that I wanted to do still. You know, I always felt there was a drive-in movie maniacs movie where Terrible Tim and the Midnight Rose, you know, get into some crazy situations in a in a Hollywood movie. I, I really felt that that could have been a reality at some point. You know, we started out trying to be on local television and went from local TV to being on in all the different cities in you know Kansas City, Topeka, Lawrence, and we thought that was a big deal. And then we went national, and we went all over the country three years ago. And I mean, t- by that point, it was like, well, shit, you know, the sky's the limit. If we, I mean, we never expected to be national TV stars. You know what I mean? I get emails to this day telling me that the Midnight Rose and Tim are a couple rock and roll motherfuckers and and how we love those guys and yada, yada, yada. I mean, we got fans that are just, you know, and Troy's got fans all over the world, you know, that that love him. The outpouring that we've gotten at Drive-In Movie Maniac since he's passed from trauma fans and things of that nature has just been incredible. I, I, it, it's, it's insane. And, uh... You know, I just, I can't thank him enough. I can't love him enough. I was lucky enough for that man to have been a part of my life, and I feel lucky to have known him. Um, him and I got into, into some really surreal situations together over the years. You know, we met some crazy people. I mean, dude, I met Alice Cooper uh, with Troy. Uh, I mean, I'm hanging out with Alice Cooper in the Midnight Rose, Terrible Tim, Alice Cooper in Midnight Rose, or how about Henry Winkler, you know, the Fonz, we're hanging out with the Fonz, you know, Uh, just some of the most surreal moments in my life, you know, Um, I did with Troy. I did those things with the Midnight Rose. There, there's never anything you, you've never done anything until you've been in an, the, the, the most awkward situations we could get into as Terrible Tim and the Midnight Rose in full gimmick. I mean, like I said, you never lived until you've been Terrible Tim and the Midnight Rose gaining some unwanted attention while you're trying to film something, um, maybe on the streets or at a convention. I mean. We, 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 one time we, uh, one year we got to do a tribute to Cremation Mortem, who was one of our favorite horror hosts growing up for both of us. You know, Troy had a lot of fond memories of her, and so did I. And so for us to have gotten to pay tribute to her and for her to have actually done voiceover on the show on that episode was a big deal for us, for us to like, uh, do that episode and so when we were filming that episode there was a scene where we needed a chicken to make a sacrifice and we couldn't catch the chicken and me and Troy you know we're chasing chickens around a barnyard <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean you've never seen nothing until you've been with with the midnight rose running around chasing chickens in a chicken coop <laughs> Taking selfies with billy goats and and roosters. I mean, the guy. I seen the guy take selfies with parrots. I mean, the guy was crazy, dude. He'd take a selfie with any animal he could get next to and take a selfie with. I mean, he was he was promoting himself at all times. All times that guy was promoting himself, and 
but uh, we were we were filming that episode and we were getting a chicken and we had to go to the, there was a scene where the midnight rose had to go in the grocery store and buy a frozen he had to, he was going to get a fresh chicken but he comes out with a frozen chicken and uh, we had to get a scene where basically Troy you know in, in the midnight rose mask is walking in front of the truck to get back in the car with Tim terrible Tim you know and I'm in full makeup and uh so I'm like, you know, don't put your mask on until Josh yells action because I don't want you walking around that parking lot with a mask on. You know, this is before COVID. You know, this is this is three, four years ago, you know, before masks were, <laughs> you know, a cool thing to be wearing in public. And um, Josh yells action. And right as Troy puts on this mask to walk to the car, this SUV drives by and this lady's in total panic mode on her phone, freaking out. And I'm like, fuck, she's calling the police. You know, I knew immediately as soon as I seen her drive by, this bitch was calling the fucking police. And I'm like, God damn it. Let's get this shot filmed. And so we just hurried up and got the shot filmed. And man, boom, as soon as I... As soon as we turn around and get the shot done, here come the 5-0 creeping in the parking lot up behind us. And we're just like, oh, fuck, you know, here I am in full makeup. Blade's got the mask on. And I'm like, dude, we're fucked. We're going to jail. There's no there's no ifs, ands or buts around this one. We're fucked, you know, <laughs> because we didn't have permits or something. They're going to get us for something because we're not supposed to be filming or whatever. You know what I mean? And this wasn't the first time that we'd had issues like this on the set you know when when you paint your face in a skull or wear a mask in public you're gonna draw unwanted attention um and you have cameras you know people think you're up to no good so the cops show up and actually they were pretty cool they were like well you know you guys didn't run off when we pulled up so we figured you guys were okay and we explained to them that we were just filming and they're like yeah next time you might want to get some permits or get permission or at least call the police station and give us a heads up you're going to be doing this and I'm like yeah I please I understand and I'm just like begging them you know to, you know I'm just like yes sir we understand yes sir yes sir and uh, they were super cool actually they were really 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 nice and they just said that a lady had called and seen some guy putting on a mask and thought he was going to rob the place and uh, we ended up taking a selfie with the police I mean that's what life with with Blade was like you know I call him Blade I call him Troy I call him the Midnight Rose I mean he was Blade Braxton the actor he was the Midnight Rose the character but he was Troy Ferguson to me as a friend he will always be Troy in my heart, my friend who loved Kiss, my friend who loved Fisher Price Adventure People and Super Joes and Star Wars and, you know, Alien and Atari and all the fucking crap that we fucking grew up on and things of that nature. You know what I mean? It was it was my buddy, you know, and, and I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss hanging out with him and sharing stuff with him about things that I'm doing or that he's doing. You know, we had a lot of projects that we wanted to still do together and, and we're not going to get to do those projects now. And, and that's, that's a difficult one to swallow, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I mean, we got to move on and, and just accept the fact that he's gone, I guess, you know, I mean, 
it's it's a hard one for me to swallow you know i'm still i'm still reeling from the fact that my friend is gone you know and and that i'm not going to be hanging out with him at any more comic book conventions or hanging out with any more celebrities doing any more fun stuff with him and that's going to be something I'm going to have to deal with for the next decade. Like I said, I met Troy in 2011. He was in my life for exactly one decade. And uh, it's been an interesting decade, to say the least. I mean, he made such an impression on my life. I love him with all my heart. I miss him with all my heart. Um, I just hope that he is at peace and that... People can, you know, enjoy the work that he's done and, and remember him fondly for what he has done and just love him. You know what I mean? He was such a fantastic person. And, you know, all the, 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 the pouring out of emotion that I've seen from complete strangers on YouTube and stuff for him, you know, the love from all the trauma people. Um, his fans all over the country and all over the world who sent us emails. It's just been tremendous. And uh, I just can't thank those people enough for reaching out to us. Um, Troy loved all those people. He loved making television and the independent films that he made. He loved to entertain people as much as they loved to follow him and watch him. And... I just don't know what else to say about him. I love him. I miss him. He was a good person. And the Midnight Rose will live forever in my heart. You know? Uh, I guess the last thing I could possibly say is uh, eat your pineapple and kiss Army, baby.
Astro Radio Z. I don't know why I have to do this. I don't know why I have to defend the greatness of Rocktober Blood once again. The greatest heavy metal horror movie ever made because it is set in realism. As, as much as I love Black Roses and Trick or Treat and Shock 'em Dead, those three all deal with otherworldly, demonic possession and demons and hell. Rocktober Blood could happen anywhere in the world. I mean, not likely, but there you could run into. Uh, two twins who are in the music business and one of them turns into a homicidal killer frames the other one but I, I, I also want to pay here I want to chime in and pay tribute to two of the greatest performers in musical movie history the greatest that is Billy I. Harper and his girlfriend with the rainbow eyes Lynn Starling uh, in honor of them and in honor of the lyrical genius that Billy I. Harper from Rocktober Blood is, I'm going to, I just want to read to you the lyrics so you can just sense and feel the genius of Billy I. Harper. A dramatic reading here. I could have been the best. I could have had it made because of you and all the rest I wound up in a grave and on my dying day revenge I swore I'd take now your time is running out it's kill for killing's sake when you least expect it I will attack there'll be hell to pay I'm back when you least expect it, I will attack. There'll be hell to pay. I'm back. Mystery will fill your mind as fear invades your soul. Behind me lies a trail of blood. My wrath will take its toll. If you live beyond this day, you'll face a brutal night. And curse the day you saw my face. I'll waste your foolish life. When you least expect it, I will attack. There'll be hell to pay, I'm back. When you least expect it, I will attack. There'll be hell to pay, I'm back. If you try to run away, you might feel safe inside. Lock your windows and your doors, there's just no place to hide. Your judgment day has come, I'll send you straight to hell. The only sound will be the tolling of the bell. When you least expect it, I will attack. There'll be hell to pay, I'm back. When you least expect it, I will attack. There'll be hell to pay, I'm back. Ah. 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 I'm back.
Yeah, and, and like I mentioned to Lloyd, uh, that terraformer, uh, you know, it had been it had been a few years since I had, uh, you know, watched a trauma movie. You know, you know, interests change. You know, I have ADD. You know, uh, one minute I'm really into pro wrestling. The other minute I'm really into horror movies. Uh, the other minute I'm really into petting zoos with goats. And I saw terror. I saw terror firmer. And I was like, holy shit. And it brought back all those memories. So, but at the same time, like class in Newcomb high was, you know, me being 12 years old, seeing that for the first time. I mean, it, it's like, holy shit, this is the greatest movie ever. I mean, so I have, a lot of this, I have a lot of nostalgia there. And, uh, you know, and, you know, oh, how many years has it been? Over 25 years later, you know, for me to actually uh, appear in a scene uh, that uh, is an homage to the first one, it's, it's mind-blowing. You know, being able to be on a Harley painting lockers as I'm driving down the halls of Charlottesville High School. It's just incredible. It's a great go yeah. through, man. It's totally. That's all, you know, you know. When I was a kid, I just wanted to be a cretin. That's plain and simple. called Sheffield in the United Kingdom in Great Britain <laughs> and uh, I met Blade uh, in the summer of 2012 on the set of the trauma movie Return to Newcomb High um, I flew across the pond because my whole life I've been in love with trauma movies and um, it was my first time out of the country by myself and uh, I met a lot of friends uh, making that film and uh, on the last day, I met Blade. Now, Blade pledged uh, towards a trauma Kickstarter uh, to be in the movie. And, um, you know, he came up to me and he introduced himself. We're just talking. And I, I could recognize his voice from somewhere. And I said, yo, dude, uh, you know, this might sound weird, but I feel like, you know, we've either spoken before or what. And he's like, well, you know, uh, I run this little podcast called uh, Wrestle Crap. And I'm like, no way. Because I've been listening to Wrestle Crap um, in England since like 2005, 2006. And uh, one Christmas, my, my dad bought me a Wrestle Crap book. So it was quite surreal that 
of all places uh, I met Blade was on the set of uh, Return to Newcomb High. And the reason why I met him is because he was also, like myself, a lifelong trauma fan. And it was both uh, our first experiences uh, on a film set together. You know, and we, uh, that was in 2012. We kept in touch. And then in 2013, we both went to Cannes, France for the first time at the Cannes Film Festival with the trauma team to promote the movie that we made the year prior. And, <laughs> you know, we had the great time occupying Cannes together and staying in a, uh, staying in an apartment and just partying with the trauma team all night. And all, you know, all we would talk about is just wrestling, you know, cause we, we love the, like, we love so many obscure wrestling references. Um, and we used to like sing wrestling entrance themes, you know, down the cross set in camp. You know, there's so many good memories. I mean, that was 2013. And then, um, in 2015, I directed a movie called My Bloody Banjo. And um, in, 20, in 2016, I actually flew out to Kansas City to screen the movie. And I stayed with Blade for two weeks. He uh, he let me sleep in his bed. And we'd be up all night. And he'd show me um, WCW Thunder from the year 2000 when Vince Russo were booking. And uh, Kevin Nash was uh, doing commentary. And we'd just stay up for hours just watching and laughing. And Because in the UK, I grew up on WWF. WCW wasn't really a big thing over here. So, um yeah, just great times watching wrestling together. Uh, you know, he showed me the finest American cuisine, uh, taking me to all of the, uh, the fast food joints in Kansas City, like the Jack in the Box. And, you know, we'd, uh, we'd joke about obscure beyond the mat references like Jack in the Box and, uh, you know, and we always used to do like the Jake Snake bit where he gets chocolate on his jacket. Um, you know, our relationship, our friendship was like, Built on inside jokes, and we just talked for hours about trauma movies. You know, uh, so 2016 was great, and then uh, 2018 we went back to America to. Uh, well, I went back to America to work on uh, the new trauma movie hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. Me and Blade stayed in a um, hostel in Long Island, and we'd get different people in every night, and we'd just crack up laughing the next morning. You know, we'd uh, eat New York pizza, we worked long hours, uh, and we, you know, we woke up with a smile on our faces and we uh, left after a 14-hour shoot with a smile on our faces because we were living out our dreams together. We were making trauma films, you know, and uh, the trauma team, uh, you know, a family uh, to me and Blade, you know. It, it was just so nice because in England, there's not many people <laughs> that are into trauma and are into wrestling as much as I am. And when you meet somebody that is on the exact same wavelength as you and lived his life like how he wanted, he didn't give a crap what anyone else thought. You know, he jumped on a plane anywhere, you know. Um, the last time I saw Blade was when he uh, got on a flight and came to the UK uh, to work on my second movie um, called Eating Miss Campbell. And, uh, you know, he came out, uh, he came out to the UK on his own dime. Um, I was able to introduce him to fish and chips and Toby Carvery and some Yorkshire puddings. So essentially just, you know, uh, really bad, uh, well, not really bad, but like British cuisine, unhealthy British cuisine, just to, uh, repair the favor. 
And uh, everyone, uh, the cast and crew, all my friends in England fell in love with Blade. You know, it was such a positive energy, right? And so funny. Blade is, Blade is the funniest guy. We talk for hours every night, like I say, about the most obscure trauma trivia or he'd show me like some trauma YouTube video or we'd recite like the Shane Douglas ECW promo together, but we'd just change what he said just to relate to something in that moment. And, uh, you know, he showed me the Doug Gilbert promo, uh, that he did on, um, Jerry Lawler and Brian Christopher. Oh, you just, every, everything reminds me of Blade. And there's not one great memory, you know. Uh, it was due to fly back out to the UK this summer just to, uh, do the reshoots, the second leg of the production. And, uh, I feel so fortunate to have the Midnight Rose in my movie. I feel fortunate to have the final appearance of um, of, 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 of the Midnight Rose, Blade Braxton. And uh, it's been a surreal couple of months. And, um, you know, it's, uh, there's never going to be another Blade Braxton, you know. Uh, what a mark, as Blade would say, you know. And I'm sure he'd pop for everyone, uh, you know, sharing their memories and the love for Blade. And um, I'm never going to be a guy like him again. And, uh, you know, what a guy, you know. I love you, Blade. And, um, you know, sleep well, mate. Sergeant Harry Griswold. He's an undercover cop who takes his job seriously. I need to commandeer this vehicle. And he's always careful. Crime is at an all-time high. And to make matters worse, an ancient prophecy has unleashed an unbelievable evil spirit. And Griswold is caught in the middle of the crossfire. Strange things begin happening all around him. And even stranger things begin happening to him. Regrettable twist of fate has chosen you as a recipient of amazing supermortal powers. He is crazy. He is confused. And he is turning Japanese. No more monkeying around. He is a cop. He is a legendary superhero. Harry! He is America's first accidental oriental crime-fighting hero. His name is Harry Griswold, but you can call him Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Who are you? I'm Kabuki Man. You are listening to Astro Radio Z. Hey! Hey, dude! Hey, dude! 
Uh, welcome to episode numero dos. Oh, that's uh, that's Italian for two. Two reminds me yeah. reminds me of that uh, Attack of the Clones episode two. Episode two, man, that one wasn't as bad as one, but three was the best of them. <laughs> you know, because that one had like Yoda doing kung fu. Which fuck? I mean, what are you gonna do with Yoda doing uh, kung fu? That's pretty rad. You're gonna watch it. You're gonna watch it, and you're gonna dig on it for real. So, um, oh, I got a text. Oh, shut up. That was a dude, man. That's a dude. That was Derek, and Derek may want to chat later. Um, I know Derek. He would. He, he would will totally fun. chat, and we can he chat loves, about like movies. He loves to chat with dudes. He loves to chat with dudes, man. He's he's the he should be on the show chatting with us about dudes. Dude, um, so uh, this is episode two of Chatting with Dudes. It almost rhymes. Look at hey man, I've been I've been like lifting shit and uh look at the definition in the lats. Oh, look at that look at, that. Oh, look at the lats, dude. Christ. Look at that. Oh wow. There's a lot of lat definition <laughs> going on. How much do you bench? Do you bet do you have a, a set in the garage or anything? Uh yeah, I got some sand weights. Sand weights, those are good. Mm-hmm. What do you bench then? About 150. 150? Yeah. I'm about 170. So Jeez. it's almost my it's it's like almost it's like ten pounds more of my body weight. You're that's a pretty solid dude. So I read online I'm like an ant. Like an ant, like like an ant carries like their body weight. And that's what I am. Because I can bench like one sixty two. Dude. I can do like four, like four reps easily without a spotter. Just boom, boom. I just pound them out like, like kind of like the rock. <laughs> so I'd probably, I'd probably be able to match your bench, but when I go to the gym, I like to chat with a lot of dudes. Yeah, so you're not, I, you're not, not focused. Not really you got to focus, and then after you're done, you got what you do is you use the bench to impress dudes, to chat. And they're like, "Holy shit! You just fucking pumped four, you know, like one rep of four of 170." And there, and, and then you go, yeah, dude. What do you bench? And then you're in with dudes to chat for like countless hours about lifting and like, hey, do you you well, you know what supplements do you use? I got them. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you go to GNC because they have a big sale, and then you can and then you can find out what the good deals are on like um, supplements to bench more weights, and then at the gym, gym. chat with dudes. This is the worst show ever. Dude. I'm so depressed. Can you imagine all the dudes are going to be chatting about how horrible this show was? That's true, dude. So maybe it's like, uh, what do you call that? Irony. Yeah. It's an ironic show. Yeah. Because people, because dudes will chat and they'll chat with us and say, you fuckers suck. You're the worst show on YouTube. And then we'll go, fuck you, eat a dick. Yeah. And then that'll, and then we'll be chatting. My dudes. So, the cycle begins anew. The cycle begins anew. That's very prolific, man. That's... I chat. So, anyway. Yeah, anyway, this has been Chatting with Dudes. Chatting with Dudes. Dude. Dude. And Dude.
is the worst wrestling gimmick and storyline you've ever seen ever in any promotion? Oh, man. It's a tough one. And honestly, man, me and RD had this discussion when we were writing the uh, third WrestleCrap book, the WrestleCrap uh, book of lists. Which is amazing, by the way, and everybody should pick this thing up. Thank you. Um, because the the main portion of that, the main event, if you will, we were going to you know list the top 25 worst gimmicks of all time. And, you know, it was really, it was a toss-up, man. We had the three, you know, we, you know, we, the final three, we were like, okay, well, which one's going to be? I mean, because, A, you've got the gobbledygooker who was <laughs> one, of the Guerrero, one of the Guerrero brothers dressed up in a fucking turkey suit, which hatched out of an egg. <laughs> On pay-per-view, people paid to watch this thing. People people paid to watch a fucking turkey hatch out an egg. <laughs> and for Gene Okerlund to basically jizz his pants over this thing hatching on television. <laughs> Gene, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gene, Gene was like the, the world's fucking biggest bestiality, pro-bestiality man that night. <laughs> he would have, yeah, he would have fucked that turkey if it wasn't the uh, you know, pg theme show back in the day. And then there was... And then there was WCW's, you know, um, WCW used to be ran by a man named Jim Hurd, who was uh, biggest claim to fame before he was became head of WCW was he used to run a, a chain of successful pizza huts. <laughs> a guy who used to run a, guy, run a wrestling company. Yeah, can we get Herman Cain to run WWE? Ah, uh, uh, yeah, Mr. Pizza Hut Jim Hurd thought that uh, the key for WCW to uh, overthrow the then WWF was to cater to kids, and they would cater to kids by introducing a tag team called the Ding Dongs, who had fucking bells all over their legs, and they were a mask, and they came to the ring, and they had a bell, and they would ding the bell constantly. Um, of course, it made no fucking sense. And uh, of course, I, you know, I like to think I'm along the lines of, um, you know, uh, up, you know, upstanding citizenship with Chris Hansen. Um, oh, sure. But Jim Hurd wanted to introduce a tag team where one of the for the children where one of the wrestlers' names was a dog. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Uh, not good. Not good. <laughs> and then of course, and of course, you have Terry Taylor as the Red Rooster, which we just we had mentioned earlier. You know, uh, a man who was arguably just as talented as as uh, you know a uh, young Ric Flair, but they turned him into a piece of poultry. You know, he would squawk and peck his fucking head, <laughs> and it ruined his it ruined his career. You know, and so on and so. At the end of the day, that's what we decided was the worst gimmick of all time was because, it, I mean, he cannot go anywhere without being heckled. You know, I'm like, and as I, I know this for a fact because I was at a WWE event um, in Topeka, Kansas, and Terry Taylor was in charge. Uh, he was running the, um, you know, they call them house shows, you know, the, the, the touring shows that aren't on TV, just the, you know, untelevised events. And, you know, he was, of course, he was in charge of it, so he would 
walk in and out of the curtain and kind of, you know, keep things in line. And there was a, there was this heckler two rows in front of me. He's like, Rooster! He kept heckling. He's like, Bad gimmick, Terry Taylor! You know, he's like, Cock-a-doodle-doo! <laughs> and, I mean, after about a half an hour of heckling, Terry Taylor comes out from the curtain and he throws his fucking hands up and he's like, What? <laughs> 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 and I mean, and he and he, and he started getting into it with this heckler, and he had enough stroke to have a security guard positioned in front of our fucking section to keep this heckler from heckling him. You know what I mean? So, and that was this was fifteen years after the raid played the Red Rooster on WWE. <laughs> you know? so, that killed his career. It really That's killed him. That's the worst gimmick of all time, yeah. But you've been around these guys, man. You know that this is, I mean, to, to call it, to, to call being around wrestlers and, and the and the business like the Old West it does not do it justice. I mean, these guys are, they're a different breed, man. It's a whole different world when you get around pro wrestlers in their element. Oh, yeah, man. I'm part of that element, man. Insanity, brother. Now, here's a Blade Braxton story from Tommy Snow. Okay, Blade Braxton story. Here you go. Uh, well, you never one knows that Blade laid those hardwood floors. Well, when he would be on the job sites, a lot of time plumbing wasn't hooked up yet. So what he used to do is he'd keep an extra roll of trash bags, and he would open the trash bag up, stand in it, do his business, and then throw the trash bag away, which is all in good fun. But, Blade was a little clumsy, so he used to strip down to his birthday suit in order to do his business. Well, he's in the basement of this house one day, putting a hardwood floor in, trying to take care of business. Next thing you know, the owners and their realtor come walking in the house with Blade sitting there in the basement, in his birthday suit, inside a trash bag, halfway through his business, with nowhere to go and nothing to say. He said it was the scariest time of his life. All he could do was sit there and just keep his head down and pray to God they never came downstairs, which they didn't. But uh, that story right there was always funnier in hell uh, to hear. Hey, wait a minute. I, I, here's the thing. I'm kind of sedated, though, man. I kind of feel like a woman. <laughs> hey, man, um, before I forget, we were talking about disgruntled employee. Uh, dude, <laughs> you've got to watch Loving a Vegetable. Okay, what the fuck is loving a vegetable, dude? I found it. Um, I, my my um, there's still an Fye DVD music store um, about an hour away from me in Independence, Missouri, and for some odd reason, they seem to get a lot of bills above films in. <laughs> <laughs> which a, a the fucking the miracle that there's a standing brick and mortar freestanding brick and mortar store that's a part of a national dying chain but uh and they get in bills above films it's just fucking the greatest thing ever man it's like one of the it's like the 10th the 10th wonder of the world anyway i, I so i get this one and i texted i remember i texted you or udler so i was like man is this a is this is above film and then I found out it was, and uh, so uh, was it Steve? So Steve, the bad guy from Disgruntled Employee, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. And and from Forgive Me for Raping You. Steve shows up at this house that this woman is is trying to show to sell, and he ties her up and rapes her. But then, like all these other women come by to like look at the house, 
and he ties him up and does the same thing to them. It's just a very, it's a very good plot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so where does the vegetable come into play, or do I want to know? Oh, well, the woman who was selling the house was crippled. <laughs> hey, 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 Derek, have you ever, have you ever been have you ever been offended when there's a a, a non-stickered person parking in the vegetable parking? <laughs> <laughs> so what is this? What that is really this? that really chaps my hide. Yeah, my hey, you fucker! You don't have a vegetable sticker. You can't park there. <laughs> so what? What is this symbol for a vegetable for vegetable parking? Uh, someone in a wheelchair with Steve's penis in his mouth. <laughs> is it a big cucumber? <laughs> yeah. So would you call loving a vegetable the spiritual sequel to disgruntled employee? <laughs> Dude, it kind of feels like a like uh, disgruntled employee was like Evil Dead too, and this was Army of Darkness. Loving a vegetable is Army of Darkness. So here's I what, only watched I only watched half of it because I was having so much fun. I wanted to save the rest of the fun for while I'm with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. Nothing, no, nothing says fun like Hey, I'm not gonna watch the rest of this cripple rape fucking song, <laughs> Ruffy. So I can enjoy it with my, the ones I care the most about. <laughs> my, my, my cripple rape buddies. We, this is the kind of thing we like to watch. We get together. We don't hang out. We don't commiserate. We sit and watch r- rape films made by Bill's above. <laughs> oh, by the way, by the way, um, um, the last time I was uh, a couple weeks ago, about two weeks ago, I was back at that brick and mortar store and I found scienceless fiction for fuck's sake. Jesus, they'd have to give it away. You remember when we were at those two we copies had, of it? You and I walked in there so pissed drunk we could barely see. We sit down and what was it this one or was it that? Um, that Brian Williams uh, gimmick where we sit down, we're so drunk we can barely hold our heads up. I look over at you, and you're like, "Yep, now's the time." And you pull out two strows from your <laughs> from your your fucking like your pants pockets, and everyone's like, "All right, here we go." I, I didn't see scienceless fiction. I uh, I was down for the count, but that you're referring to uh, the Brian Williams gimmick. Oh my yes. god! Oh my we god! We were we were getting bombarded by that fucking fucking heckler, fucking riffer, or whatever you want to call him. Oh, dude! All I remember oh, is silence, scienceless fiction. We had been talking to Bill that entire day and he kept shilling it on us the whole fucking day. So we're like, yeah, we'll be there, Bill. We'll be there. So we show up. We're, we're so fucking blind drunk that I can barely sit up in the seat. Udler's next to me. And I look over at him and let, let's just say the first 15 minutes of this movie are, are, are nothing but the worst racial slurs <gasps> uttered by clowns. Miniature yeah. clowns in in really shitty comp together like spaceships, and it goes on for a half hour in uh, my brain in slow motion women green screened onto like firecracker scenes and stuff like this. <laughs> and I was just I lo- I remember looking over at Corey. Corey just got up and left. And then I was the only one of the group still there. I I think I lasted another 10 minutes before my brain hurt and I had to leave. Oh, fuck. I had to watch the whole fucking thing. 
And but I tell you why, because I was down in Udler's basement like a fucking cripple. I had nothing else to do. <laughs> I know he was doing something. Like a vegetable. Yeah, I was a vegetable in the basement. Uh, he was upstairs fucking around with his wife and kid, and I was staying at his house, so I had, you know, I had nothing to do but drink strohs, eat pretzels, and watch fucking science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yep, this sounds like another day in the life at the Udler house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a Blade Braxton story from Tommy Snow. Don't forget about his hobo tips. When looking for something to eat, go for soup that has a pull tab on it so you don't need a can opener. And if you don't have a spoon, just use a Bic pen or any writing utensil like that. You can easily stab the food and eat it. Hobo tips. You are listening to Astro Radio Z. This is Matthew Sweetman. Um, I just wanted to say a few words about um, Blade Braxton. He was probably one of the most influential people on my uh, teen college and even up till now years. He's brought me so much joy. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's like someone who really seem to get what it was like to be alive. <laughs> Some of my favorite things he ever did um, on WrestleCrap Radio when he uh, sang a song about Mickey James' uh, chest injury to the tune of Hanson's Umbop entitled uh, Boop Pop, where he screeched Boop Pop, Mickey's Boop Pop. Beauty pop, boop pop, 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 boop. It was, I think in the same episode too, he also, I think it might have actually been the first episode of WrestleCrap Radio I ever listened to, because he also got confused, this could have been a different episode, from the lyric from Three Count, uh, where they say Britney Spears is kind of cute, he thought he, he heard them sing Britney Spears fallopian tooth and I still get a kick out of that I I think about it from time to time um you know uh he's just a wonderful human being and what can you say Uh, uh, we, we really lost a legend and a friend and a and brother and you know you know everybody who knew him loved him and uh, if you didn't know him you know him and then when you knew him you loved him it's just inevitable and also you know I know he's up there in heaven repping that Godfather's pizza and the authentic Italian the authentic New York slice I hope Heaven has a Sabaro Express that uh, is open for breakfast because uh, I know Blade will be sitting there right now having a slice. Uh, I love you, Blade. I love you, Derek. I love you, Corey. Uh, uh, it's been a tough year, but uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. 
Just who I mean, the friends who had to depart, the friends in our heart. Hear the blues in my boogie. Can you see the blood in my beer? Just help me laugh at pain. Help me smile away the tears. I hate I hate every single politician who's ever been born. <laughs> we all do. But at the same time, Herman Cain was the uh, owner, president, resurrected my favorite fucking restaurant chain of all time, Godfather's Pizza. No kidding. This is something I didn't know. How, why, so what was his, uh, he was in business? He was a businessman? He was a businessman, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the, uh, he... He uh, was the CEO and then became the owner of Godfather's Pizza, which was my favorite, uh, you know, favorite pizza chain, favorite restaurant chain of all time, man. So yeah, you know, how could how could I not how could how could be, I not have voted? Yeah, how could he be a bad guy? How could he be a bad guy? He, used to see, <laughs> he was he was influ he was influential on me getting my my favorite pizza. <laughs> Dude, that's like, come on, seriously, dude. If your favorite restaurant was McDonald's, and if uh, Ronald McDonald decided to run for president with uh, a fry guy as his VP, either one, either one of those three fuckers, take your pick. Shit, he'd have my vote now. Yeah, exactly. Fuck, yeah. man. Christ. Yeah. I'd vote for somebody as qualified as Ronald McDonald. I'd vote for fucking Birdie for McDonald's as president. She'd be the first female <laughs> president. I'd vote for the turd burglar or whatever that guy's or the hamburglar. Yeah, exactly. Nothing, nothing but the finest political discussion on this show. Wisconsin. Yep. And what is the main attraction? Why are we all gathered here at this Caleb point? Caleb Johnson. <laughs> Caleb's Johnson or Caleb Caleb's Johnson? Johnson I'm here. pretty sure it's Caleb. It's a it's a guy schlong comes out on stage and, and sings. He, he sings the yeah. songs of Tony Bennett. Caleb Penis uh, in, opening up for Kiss tonight. In, in Vinnie Vincent makeup. Vinnie in the Ankh makeup. In the Ankh makeup. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he sings all of Peter Chris's solo record. He starts out with I Can't Stop the Rain. It's a showstopper yeah, to begin yeah, with. Yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So are you really excited to see Caleb's Johnson? I am super excited to see <laughs> Caleb's Johnson. Awesome, awesome. What is your name? My name is Heather. Heather. I am from Whitehall. Whitehall. Interesting. The home of WHTL. Yes. <laughs> I had a friend of mine used to work at WHTL. 
Mike Gilbert. Mike Check? Mike Check, yeah. <laughs> we're crossing over here on Kiss Crap Radio. Yeah, but here we are. We're front row at uh, Kiss at La- the Lacrosse Center. And we're front row for Caleb's Johnson as well. Caleb's Johnson. It's incredible. So, Blade, what? So, so you hit up the gimmick booth. Uh, right. what'd, you, what'd you buy, boss? I bought a Statue of Liberty. Long, no, a, a T-shirt with the Statue of Liberty on it. Known long, long, long known as a... At some point, Blade will get this out, yeah. really. Let him, just let him work. He's working out. Long known as a symbol of a, a female presence pronouncing to the world that everybody's free. And that female presence has Paul Stanley's face on it. I'm not, not going to say anything else. Do you, do you love America, people? I love America for the fact that it allows drunk and mumbling people a chance to finish their sentences. <laughs> so it was a choice. You. I popped the guy in the front row. <laughs> so it was a choice between, uh, we went up to the merch table. It was a choice between a bunch of pretty usual, you know, band shirts and and then there was the Statue of Liberty and the most cheese dick shirt I've ever seen at a Kiss show, where a bald eagle in Gene Simmons makeup is bursting through the shirt and then is clawing Kiss Army on the back. Oh, only, for only $40. For, for the low, low price of $40. You didn't tell me it was so affordable. I might have to head my way off to that merch booth and grab me several copies of that. Yeah. I hope you brought at least $1,000 so you can get four shirts at the yeah. Kiss show. I was I was going to spend it on the meet and greet so that I could hear them play Baby Driver uh, acoustically, but instead I'm going to buy 17 of those uh, Eagle shirts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Baby Driver, is that the name of Mark St. John's favorite magazine? Oh, ow. oh ouch. ouch. I was hoping for a mandolin version of Shandy myself. Oh, that's even better. How about a MIDI version of Tonight? Oh. That would be even better. That's out there somewhere. That's out there somewhere. But yeah, we're here in the front row. We're at the lacrosse center. And this young lady's very, you're shorter than me, which is unfortunate. But how, how, how long have you been a KISS fan? Since I was four. Since you were four yeah. years old. Same here. How many times have you seen KISS? This is my first time. Whoa! I will make space for you. You should oh, go right up front. Right. You should go to, right up front. Yeah, right. you got to get up here. Are you serious? I will make space. Yes, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. If uh, you were four. When it starts, then we yeah. Yeah, we, we, are, we have enough time. We so yeah. was it one of those things where your dad basically made you listen to Kiss growing like up? Do my daughter? No. Oh. She just came out and said, Dad, I love Kiss. I love listening to your Kiss CDs. She's like five years old. <laughs> did you dress up as one of the members for like Halloween or something? I did the face makeup. Which one? Uh, I wanted to do Peter Chris, but it didn't work out. It's a girl thing. I have three daughters, and they all love, love Peter, Peter Chris, Peter. the cat man. He's very all sensitive. He's sensitive. He can't stop the rain. He's hot. He's hot. hot. He's hooked on rock and roll. <laughs> so what is it? Was it the cat thing, or what was it about Peter I don't Peter even Chris? like cats. So why Peter Chris? The Italian thing. I don't know. He's, he's hot. <laughs> yeah, Chris Cole. Well, it was the blackjack. Yeah. It was, it was him blackjacking dudes in back alleys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand the appeal there. I understand the appeal there. Yeah, exactly. So so since you were four years old, how old are you now? 20. 20. Yep. So have you followed them because of dad the whole time or no, no. on your own? No, no. It's amazing because my daughter's three and I didn't I didn't force anything on her, but Kiss is always around between the records. My daughter's sitting up in the stands right now. An eight-year-old. Yeah. I'm taking 
my three-year-old in a couple of weeks. I don't know how that's going to go. I'm going to act like I'm disaster. I'm going to act like I'm three tonight, so I'm going to get you practice. Oh, there we go. There we go. It all comes full circle. Did you make a pee? You got to go pee pee. I already shit myself. You want to change me, Daddy? (laughs) No, I don't. This just got really dark, really quickly. Really dark. Very, very depressing. Very depressing. Okay, so as so as a Kiss fan, first time. Yeah. So, what would you say is probably your favorite Kiss song? Question. Okay, well, let's just say your favorite Kiss record. Oh, it's Destroyer. Destroyer? Destroyer. Yes. That's a good no, album. That's no, a great these, album. These two would argue with you that Unmasked is oh. the premiere, which <laughs> yes. I think sucks. Unmasked is the album that makes the world go around, Derek. Man, I, you, you learn about Torpedo Girls. Yeah. You learn about European Both sides girls. of the coin. Yeah. Both sides of the coin. Hey. Millions of Australians can't be wrong about oh, Shandy, my true. friend. That's very true. That's like saying Dynasty is the best album. Oh, but it is. That's the second oh, best album. Dynasty is the second best oh, Kiss yeah, album. It might be. And I sure know something when I say that, yes, Derek. Yes. Because when hard Live. times have yeah, it's hard down, times. Hard times. Yep. Four years old. I was I was four years old when I first got uh, a 45 single from Dynasty. Do you remember 45s? Oh yeah. Back before gun control and people thought of 45s as like weapons. Yeah. I'm talking about Dynasty 45s. Yeah. The vinyl. You're gonna get thrown out of here. You just broke him. Yeah, you, you just broke Blade Braxton. So you bought the Sure No Something single with Hard Times on the B? That was on the B side, yeah? I was made for loving him. I was made for loving him. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's funny. It's funny that Dynasty comes up as something that is derogatory. I think most Kiss fans would say that. I, th- I, I would agree, but it's yeah. one of my favorite Kiss records. I, I have grown to love it. Yeah. It's, but, but see, but after that came Unmasked, and I despise Unmasked. I think it is Ace Frehley and his septic tank worst. There. It is such a fun record. But you know what? It's Paul Stanley at his best, but I think it's Ace Frehley at his shit level worst. With Torpedo Girl, come on. Oh, man. Worst song ever. Talk to me, which was a number one hit in Australia. I've heard the Aborigines still play that on cassette in Australia. Uh oh. Something's going down here. Is he finally getting a pick? It's finally happening. Corey, tell the story about what's going on in front of us. Well, we're standing in the front row by about seven confetti cannons, which I can't wait to just blast me in the face like I'm in a Beelzebub movie. Yeah. And uh, I noticed a pick down there, but there's a young man, two guys down from us, in full kiss makeup, who drove to Wisconsin, dig this, from Guadalajara, Mexico. The man's from Guadalajara. I don't even know how the hell you get here. From I don't know where the fuck Guadalajara even fuck is. But he drove here all the way from Guadalajara. So I said to one of the security guys, I said, please, do you need something? Do you got to say something then? You all right? I'm going to die or? Kiss has played about a 
thousand shows in each state during this tour. Are you sure you just didn't get worked by a guy who could have seen a show in Texas? No, because I couldn't understand. <laughs> I couldn't understand what he was talking about. So I assumed he was from Guadalajara. Okay, this is the portion of the show that I edit out because it's entire. It's extremely racist. But please continue with this story. Well, we're gonna build that wall. We're gonna make it great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Anyway, the young man's from Guadalajara, Mexico, and uh, he was hitting Guns N' Roses, Rob Zombie, all these other shows on his way up, and there was a pick just lay. I don't know whose it is. I'm going to find out. We should find out. We're going to find out. We're going to get to the bottom. It's obviously Tommy Thayer's. It's a a Tommy Thayer pick because nobody else picked it up. Um, But uh, there was a pick laying there, so I tried to get it for the young man because I'm a chivalrous for our uh, southern friends. That's the theme of the night is chivalry. Chivalry, exactly. But they wouldn't give it to him. So finally the young man got his guitar pick. So that's a great thing. We're making America great again. Right. So how much time do we do we have before we see Gary's Johnson? Gary's Johnson is coming up. Or Caleb's Caleb's, Caleb's Johnson, sorry. Where are you? Gary Johnson. Oh my gosh. What are you, you voting libertarian this year? Oh, yeah, yeah, I am actually. As am I. Uh, we have 22 minutes. 22 minutes. 22 minutes before we see a parade of one big, huge penis come on stage and play guitar. Until we hear a bunch of Rolling Stones covers that we didn't really want to hear anyway. Yeah. Uh, all deep cuts. All deep cuts. Yeah. Doing some unreleased Japanese B-sides, this young Caleb Johnson. For Kiss, this is Kiss crap at its finest. So we'll be back after Caleb's Johnson plays, and uh, as people start to crush us up front, so we'll return. So Blade Braxton is back. He brought us our drinks. We've all taken a million and a half fucking selfies. Blade, what do you got to say for yourself? It's a hot mess. I have taken a leak. I am ready. I I hope I will not piss myself because Kiss is about ready to begin. And we're about, I don't know, eight, ten feet away. Yeah. The closest I've ever been by about six inches. The closest I've ever been by at least a hundred yards. Oh, at least, at least. And we have the flag, the black flag of Kiss has come down over the stage. It's right here, man. It's like it's like being in the shadow of Mecca. Man, let me tell you, I'm hot, moist, liquored up. I think it's perfect time for Kiss Boys. Are you moister than an oyster? Than the Noid. Oh yeah. And we have we, we have our 20 year old Kiss fan who's never seen them before. Front row. Front row. Front row. We're gonna get this place hotter we than made, hell. We made space. <laughs> we made sure. Dad is only about two feet behind, so Dad's got a good seat, too. But for the first Kiss show ever to be front row, that's amazing. It's going to be amazing. Blade, what's your final thoughts on this? You don't want to know about my first Kiss show. Yes, I do. Let's go ahead. It involved dirty housewives, and it wasn't very... Did you have a Boston steeplechaser? Carl's? I had a Topeka torpedo girl. And ring it was, rats? Yeah. Ring rats? Yeah. Two dollar ring rats? Let's take a dive! Torpedo girl! And feel alive! Torpedo girl! Woo! Uh, talk to me! Talk to me! Talk to me! All I want is a little conversation! Talk to me! 
remember the next year, uh, to be honest. Dumb hammer. All right, all I'm hoping for tonight is that we hear Dark Light. I hope Tommy Thayer does Dark Light. I was assured that Jungle off of Carnival of Souls was playing on this tour. Hey, someone does a loud. If safe at home. I hope Eric People. Singer. I hope Eric Singer breaks kayfabe and does easy thing oh. in front of the crowd after Beth. <laughs> I, I think every heterosexual male will have sex with one another if easy thing gets played tonight. Because I think that's the song that brings heterosexual males together as homosexual. And we can kiss, and it's okay. It's okay. This has gotten way out of hand, boys. I don't even know what planet we're on anymore. Derek, Derek doesn't have his pants on it. Uh, it's not Jindel. We can be we can be whatever we have to be on the radio uh, show. Where's Tom Snyder? Sorry, Curly. All right, folks. We'll be back after Kiss to give the post wrap up. You, you should probably tape some Kiss. Like some. Maybe I'll yeah. Maybe I'll you'll hear a little bit of the concert. But I'll be rocking too fucking hard. We'll see what happens. This is a small. This is this is the greatest day of my life. All right, say goodbye. Don't boy. tell my wife or my daughter, but this is the greatest day of my life because I am in the shadow of this giant, sparkly fucking kiss curtain. Bye, Curly. Bye, Curly. Ow! I'm I'm digging through my phone. It will start like this. I'm digging through my phone and all of a sudden I stumble across drunken voice memos that I took at Blaze Bailey and at Gene Simmons from August of last year.
And the first one is me and Blade <laughs> trying to talk about Blaze Bailey, but being so drunk that we're both slurring our voice so fucking badly. <laughs> And complaining about how you, Corey, had pissed 16 times that night. <laughs> was it legitimately 16? <laughs> no. I may have been embellishing a little bit. I am surprised I didn't piss my pants 16 times that <laughs> night because I was fucking annihilated. Like blackout drunk. I don't even, I don't, I don't, I don't even remember August of 2017. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I also had to, I had to babysit me in Hooters a few weeks earlier. <laughs> it's funny because you and I, after the show, when we got back and we started drinking again, walked to fucking Wendy's and got food. Oh, that's right. I would have never remembered that. Yes, we did. <laughs> and then came Thank back you. and did our annual viewing of disgruntled employee. I, I did. I, 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 I don't remember that, but yeah, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, Corey, what were we talking about? We said there was a story there that we totally forgot. You and I were one. Yeah, I I, I just (laughs) we were right at the front of the stage, and uh, just at one point, I'm looking around, and I think I looked at you. I'm like, "Where'd Blade go?" And it was either you or Paul or or somebody. Ooh, I was oh. pretty drunk too. It was just said Blade got sick and tired of Blaze Bailey's dick in his face the whole show, so he took off. You, <laughs> you, you guys will never you, you unless you're a front row center to. Yeah, no, you you could you could have tried to be front row center to a Blaze Bailey show, and that stage that was like the perfect fucking stage. For his fucking balls to be in someone's face. Like it was perfect height. Like when they were constructing it, the fucking promoter was like, or the builder, okay, let's build this stage. So the fucking lead singer's fucking, fucking sweaty balls are right in that guy's face. In the front row. I mean, it was, it, was, it is a fucking, it's a fucking architectural fucking masterpiece. If you like fucking balls. <laughs> Literally, I I was I, I was afraid his balls were gonna hit me in the face, and I I, I really didn't. I had to back up because I really couldn't see him singing. Dude, I, I looked it was over. Like, it was like his balls were singing to me. I remember looking at you and you having the most stern, ornery look on your face the entire fucking show. <laughs> like, why the fuck is Blade so fucking pissed off? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna. I have some photos of that. I have some photos of that night. I'm of what? His balls? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All all I saw that night, I remember, because like you guys, I was fucking annihilated. Ugh. I'm looking. Well, they were they were stiffing us on those drinks, man. Those were fucking stiff ass drinks. I'm looking around and everyone's flipping out because there was what maybe 20 people in this entire bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking around and everyone's flipping out. And I look at Blade and it looked like someone took a shit in his mouth. Like he was just you <laughs> were just so unhappy about this entire thing. <laughs> no, that's not true. I was having a good time. Just yeah, just forty minutes of getting whacked in the face with Blaze Bailey's testicles <laughs> wear down. Yeah, <laughs> it's like 
sweaty <laughs> Scottish that. balls. <laughs> even, yeah, even if you're because into that, it's still a lot to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Hey, fellow listeners of all the gimmicks, I got some really awful fucking news to tell you. Blade Braxton, I'm here in Delvin, Wisconsin. We promised you assholes fucking cookie jar having. Blade, you want to break the hearts of all all the children in all of America? Why we're not hitting up cookie jar having? What's, what's, what's the angle? What's it, it is. <laughs> Sorry. I've developed smoker's cough in the past year since I've been on the show. <laughs> It has not, absolutely nothing to do with me. <laughs> so who are you pushing this off on? <laughs> I'm going to blame Jesus. <laughs> so so Jesus came down and ruined our chances of going to fucking cookie jar heaven. What did he have to say that ruined everything? He didn't say anything. I don't believe he really exists. But these people here in Delavan, Wisconsin, believe he's, he's, he exists. Is he exists? So when illness strikes, they blame it on baby Jesus. Now, I'm a very, believe it or not, despite, the, despite this slurring in my voice, I'm a very... Res- <laughs> I'm a very fucking responsible person. So so much so that I went and I logged on to their website yesterday just to double check that we could pull this gimmick off by, by going to the fucking cookie jar heaven. And I did. And that's when tragedy struck. What? Okay, I didn't hear about this. You were waiting. When were you going to pop this on me? I didn't want to tell you yesterday because I didn't want you to get disappointed. I figured I'd break it to you when you were had a few shots in you. <laughs> you're, you're a kind. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're not a kind and gentle soul. Mate. I'm a gentleman and an alcoholic. <laughs> now. I mean, let me read you the sad news. If this was my podcast, we'd have the sad news music going. I will play cue sad music <laughs> now. Oh, this is so vague. This might as well be vague book. The cookie jar heaven vague book. Please note, March 19th, 2019 through about, how, how fucking vague is that? Through about April 1st, 2019, we will be closed due to medical issues. What do you think? What do you suppose medical issues are? I truly believe that... I don't know. It was an older woman that was there. What could have been the problem? She wasn't that old. She She was at most maybe 49. Diabetes? Oh, God damn it. I wish it was 20, 2005 so I could be vulgar and not be politically uncorrect. This is all the gimmicks. You can be as vulgar as you no, fucking want to be on this gimmick. Do it. I don't know. Yeah. Why are you being so chaste on my podcast? Yeah, maybe it was one of those tit things. I don't know. <laughs> but here's the thing. This went it in a weird, weird direction. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't matter if this woman was having issues with her tits or vagina or her colon. The motherfuckers are closed on Sunday oh, anyway. Oh, my God. And so, that's just because of this medical issue. No, shit. it's not. That's their normal hours? No, they're closed Monday through Saturday due to the medical issue. This weekend? No, I think this is everything. They're always closed on Sunday. The last fucking How show. How the fuck did we get? Oh, because it was, it was a Friday Saturday. night. It was a Friday night show. It was a Friday night show. You had to come off work early. You had to hustle down off work and come down here. 
Blade. This is a tragedy. I feel like fucking Barry Gibb. Blade. The the universe and the stars and Crom are working straight against us about this. I think yep. you were right the first time. We should have bid I on it. I was right. Well, of course, you're going to fucking rub that shit in. I would have... We should have went to Cookie Jar Heaven, and you should have bought that fucking Jar Jar Binks fucking coffee mug. <laughs> now, you, you, I didn't tell you this, but I used that picture of me with the Jar Jar Binks uh, on, your cu- on my Tinder profile oh, for many, great. many months. Awesome. Yes, I'm sure that got you laid. No, didn't get me laid once. Well, but. you're doing it wrong, then. Because you should see some of the pictures that have gotten me laid. What are the pictures that work the best for you on dating? Uh, I, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the trauma pictures because I ended up in the apartment of a woman who had a framed eight by ten promotional glossy from Tromeo Juliet of Lemmy from Motorhead hanging in her front room. So what kind so of that, nasty shit did you get to do to her that night? I no, that's 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 confidential. You don't, you don't, don't tell tales out of school out that one. I don't tell tales out of sodomy. No, I don't. <laughs> Okay, so oh, this, well, this is this is really disappointing, Blade. I didn't think Tell that this was what was going to happen. Well, you know, that's the thing with life, you know, medical problems. That's why you know you need to be healthy. Don't be like me, because that woman that runs Cookie Jar Heaven, she probably doesn't do the bad things I do, and she's in bad shape and has to close her shop down. What the fuck else is there to do here in Delavan? I came here tonight, totally telling my boy. First time he's been here. Oh, then we're gonna walk into this joint, and oh. it's gonna be the worst drinks he ever had down. in his whole it's life. A huge and uh, the drinks are actually decent. The drinks are decent, but I can see the disappointment on his face. That he's not gonna get raped in the cookie jar. Fucking, <laughs> he's not gonna. They're not gonna open the jar, the doors to cookie jar heaven, and it's not gonna be the razor wire room for, from Suspiria where we just fall into it, and some hairy armed assailant knifes us in the gut repeatedly. Do you want to break in? We're in Delvin, Wisconsin on a Sunday. Okay, I'm not putting this down on uh, on document for for the police, who obviously already have it out for us here right. in Delvin. I mean, that's a story we haven't relinquished here. I mean, the last time we were here, uh, we we uncovered a secret conspiracy and plot here in Delvin, yeah. Wisconsin. Shady under underbelly government stuff. We're talking, Dustin. You want to tell us uh, about the the what we have turned the Delavan Hustle? Well, first of all, it's Dustin from That Wrestling Gimmick on the Astro Radio Z Network. I like this hard shill. I can, I, I'm can. i totally about hard shills on these podcasts. I think I'm the only one that doesn't have a solo show on show. Astro Radio Z. <laughs> Me and the woman with tit issues from Cookie Jar Heaven do not have a show. Everybody else has a show. This is true, Blade. You always could have a show whenever you want, but you just don't want to do it. But anyways... I've been busy. He's been... <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that, that's a whole story we get into another time. Dustin, I want to hear about the Delavan Hustle. Okay, so the Delavan Hustle is, well, we were out there, and uh, we were told by the police that we were not going to get tickets for parking in a certain area that just happens to be on the square. The square, the main area where the hub of the town, the main block. This is a town of maybe 700 people. I was going to say 26, 27 people tops. 27 people tops in this town. Not not but 13 teeth in the whole town. This is true. I, I... 
I can I verify this. I counted. Meth is the main drug of choice. Anyways. All right, let's focus. I digress. Not only one, not two, but three tickets were, were, were given that night. One was paid on time. Who, who paid theirs on time? Oh, none of us, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this none. is a, If you really want me to get into this, and it, my blood's going to start boiling, I mean, I could really get into this. Do we want to get into it that deep? Because, I mean, we're talking... We're talking some serious underbelly stuff going it's on. It's collusion. It, there's a collusion between this hotel that runs the wrestling promotion here if and... Ever, if you've ever seen... And the police. If you've ever seen MacGyver, there's an episode on MacGyver where they get into the small town and the sheriff ends up being the bad guy. The sheriff? He's he's putting people in jail to make money for the city. This, this has got to be a weird angle to try and hustle people that come here for 10 measly fucking dollars. But 10 turned into 50. Well, it did turn into 50, 50 after, 50 after, after well, yeah, after There's, six months and the DMV sends me a, a letter saying that my license is re- or my registration on my car is revoked because this place didn't pay my fucking bill. <laughs> I'm sitting in, I'm sitting with, I'm sitting with Paula, who I do the podcast at Orgy Castle with, in my driveway i pull in and i i I get the mail out and we're looking at the mail and i'm like what the fuck so i get all the blade on the phone i'm like hey motherfucker did you pay your bill of course i didn't of course i didn't pay that shit fifty dollars i i talked to the police i talked to the dmv i talked to this hotel all flat out denied it. Denied. Denial. Just like for a ten dollar bill, I would have paid the motherfucking ten dollar bill. Never happened. According to them, none of it happened. Had we had recorded documentation of that whole evening, we would have a full blown conspiracy. Justin, we have recorded documentation of some girl at a local bar getting all over a dude while Great Expectations by Gene Simmons is playing. Disgusting, it, despicable acts. It is in a public vicinity was just horrible. It is absolute blackmail material. It was it was pornographic. People people claim that Burn Bitch Burn by Kiss in the 80s is probably perhaps the most pornographic song they ever did, but Great Expectations is as easily off of Destroyer, their most famous record, easily the most pornographic. Song. How many lives do you think it's destroyed just in that bar alone? Well, at least two. We have documented proof. I mean, Blade has it on his phone and Blade is working an angle on some local rat, so we're going to we're going to end this here. Sit in your seat
initially we're gonna we're gonna do the worst 10 kiss tracks that we knew let's yeah. let's do the top three can do you think right. you, off the top of your head you think you can name your three least favorite kiss tracks i can blade do you think you can name your least favorite like your three least favorite kiss tracks uh, I just got back to the conversation here. I lost, uh, lost you for a little bit, but, uh, my three least favorite kiss tracks. Yes. Hmm. Oh, that's going to be hard, man. Uh, cause I do like a lot of them. Uh, or do you want to do, or do you want to do your three least favorite kiss records? Is that easier? That's probably easier. Yeah. yeah. Corey. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Okay, let's fucking do this thing then. Let, let's do. It, I guess it doesn't matter order of importance. Let's let's go ahead, Corey. Your first least favorite Kiss record. My first least favorite Kiss record uh, is definitely Unmasked. That's one I've tried oh. for years and years and years to get into it. I'll. I I I think what sums it up for me is one time <clears throat> I had the uh, the the rec- the vinyl was playing and I was playing it, playing it. And I, pl- I flipped it to the next side. My wife came in and goes, what the hell are you listening to? Like she couldn't even tell after 20 some odd years that I was listening to kiss. And she, she was just like, no, this kind of sucks. And I said, yeah, it really does kind of suck. It's, it, it's my, it's, that is my absolute least favorite uh, kiss record followed closely by, and I know, I know Blade disagrees with all this on my list. Uh, followed closely by Psycho Circus. I don't. I think Psycho Circus is the only thing worth a pinch of shit on that entire record. Uh, oh, that's the worst song on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to hear the story behind this one. What's the best song out there? Finally found my way by Peter Chris. Oh my god. <laughs> We're getting worked. This is a fucking yeah, work if I've ever work. heard one. K Fabe. <laughs> I call K Fabe hey, on this. Hey, hey, wait until you find your way after you've been lost and tell me what the fucking <laughs> best song on that fucking song. <laughs> I'm, gonna pr- I'm gonna purposely go get lost. <laughs> <laughs> and, All right. And so, so, so you now have two. For, what's your what's your, what's your third? Now for number three, I have a question. Do compilations count? <laughs> oh, that's a that's a chintzy fucking weasley way out. No, don't no, you dare no. put. Don't you dare throw best of the soul albums in. No, this no, way. no. no <laughs> I was, or killers, uh, killers, or Chikara. Chikara. no because because my number three i was gonna throw in is the kiss my ass album yeah that's not a kiss album that doesn't count see that was my question see it was a legitimate question nah 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 so then so then if that doesn't count then i'm going for hot in the shade bloated fucking demos (laughs) oh I can agree with that one. I, I don't know if that's going to be on my list, but I can agree with that one now. Bet- between the na-nas and the hey-hays and the ho-hos and all the other fucking <laughs> rhyme bullshit on that record, the worst song Kiss has ever done is on that record called Boomerang. <laughs> so, oh, that I don't know. Right reading, there's a shit. 
read my body's pretty bad. That would make that. That's, oh God. that's, the, that's the, perhaps the, the definitive, uh, d- definitive uh, you know, response to uh, being illiterate there. <laughs> read my body is strutter compared to boomerang. Oh. I, I don't see. I don't remember boomerang. I hate that. I hated that album so fucking much. I didn't listen to it that much. See, and just recently I was at a record store and I'm only because I'm a completionist that I, I found the vinyl. It was an original press vinyl still in the plastic dude wanted 12 bucks for it. I'm like, all right, I don't have it yet. I'm going to pop for it. So I listened to it front to back all in one sitting, mind you. Did you fall asleep? <clears throat> no, luckily, but I sat there and I just, I could not believe the that it was i mean it's like 17 fucking songs and about three or four of them are good and about six more are not great and then the rest of them are absolutely miserable and from what i understand the reasoning behind it was because they were just rushed for another record and these were all just kind of polished up demos was all it was and they mm. didn't you know they didn't trim the fat on it or do anything so you get a little na na no no nini na na <laughs> fucking ho ho horse shit oh my it's god a tough record that's a it's... tough record to get through so that's mine that's it unmasked <sighs> and psycho circus and uh hot in the shade man i think you are just forgetting things i think you have just one okay Let's address this unmasked issue, which seems to be the only thing we ever talk about when we get together to talk about fucking kiss. That record may be my daughter's second favorite kiss record. Oh, your daughter, daughter they, of the year. They listen to it. We listen to it in the car all the fucking time. <laughs> of course, it's got shitty tracks like fucking she's so European. And oh, that's a great song. Torpedo girl. But they're still good. They're still better than anything on Carnival of Souls. Oh fuck! Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> see now. That's that. one I can't even count because that's barely even a a, a release. Uh, you you was- put you put Naked City on Carnival of Souls. You got a good album. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that track alone. Yeah, and rename it Naked City. <laughs> what a what a ship platinum even with that shitty fucking cover with singer and kulik looking like they're getting ready to go to a fucking their execution they, they the cover that somebody took with a polaroid insta insta camera just yeah like hey guys let me quick take this click there's the, the album cover. The the funniest part is how little the band or the record label or anybody on earth gives a shit for that thing is when they put out the entire Kiss catalog on uh 180 gram vinyl whatever whatever. The the cover was I think it was just that cover but it was stretched to fit the dimensions of a vinyl <laughs> record. So it's just some guy took it into uh it took it into Photoshop. Where's the free transform uh, option on this one? We just have to fit it on the cover. Oh, Jesus. Because they're all stretched out and it looks like shit and it's pixelated. And like, they didn't even give a fuck. They're like, nobody's going to spend 39 bucks on this piece of shit. Oh, my God. Miserable. Blade, your least, your, your bottom three. 
Well, you know, you know, I'm coming in third here. So obviously, hot in the shade is horrible. Uh, you know, carnival souls. Uh, and then, uh, you know what? Um, I don't. I, I, I can't. I can't count the new. You know, it's like the new albums don't count. You know what I mean? Like, Mars why don't they and, count? Uh, you're right. Um, okay. <laughs> It just doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems it's, it's Kiss, but, you know, it's not like really Kiss. I mean, you know, I just think of the album that we grew up with, uh, like, or at least yeah. into the 90s anyway. So I would have to say, uh, if, we're talking, if we're talking Kiss albums from the mid-70s until the year 2000, Ah, uh, strictly on those. I'm down to dress to kill or asylum, and I would pick asylum. Believe it or not. Oh, oh, ooh, that's a dagger. Oh my god, that hurts, Blade. Well, you know, I, that album I, has uh, all night on it for that I reason. I know it alone. does. I know it does. But, but okay, what, what, okay. What, what what would I what would I give up to replace that? It wouldn't be the first album. Wouldn't be hotter than hell. Nope. No. Dress to Kill has two timer and room service. Right. As you keep working your way through there, man, you know, uh love you know, Love Gun Dynasty, Unmasked, The Elders Great, Creatures of the Night, Lick It Up. You're running out of Analyze. choices. Um I like Animalize better in Asylum, maybe because I wow. See, I would flip those two. I like uh, Asylum a little bit better than Animalize, but I still like Animalize. It's tough, man. It's tough. Obviously, obviously, I would say Monster. Well, yeah. See, that's why you got to count it. It's it's canon. It's got to be in there. It's part yeah. of the discography. Yeah, you're right. But I never really gave it a chance, though. I, I haven't listened to it that much, so I can't. You know. I tried. It's got a couple of decent tracks. When when the best song on it is Tommy Thayer's, you know, you're probably, you know, swimming with turds. I could not tell you one fucking track off of that gimmick. See, neither neither could I. Um Heller, so that's hallelujah. why yeah. oh, Heller, hallelujah. You're right. I know that one. Isn't there like a wall of sound song too? Yeah. Okay. Those are the two tracks I know on there. Okay, that's out yeah. of this world, totally stealing Ace's gimmick. Uh, if I'm gonna put three in the fucking poop shoot, <laughs> it's gotta be fucking monster. And I'm gonna agree across the board, hot in the shade for sure. <laughs> uh I agree with you boys. The only thing we're gonna all agree on in Carnivals of Souls is hands down the most unlistenable kiss record there is yeah it, it yeah. and i probably should have i probably should have put that one on um only because but the thing with it is i mean i've given that album a chance and it is so slow and i mean and, and the whole thing with it was i mean when you put it in the context of the time that that album would have come out coming off of revenge and then the the great alive three you know and all of these other things they had the big book out um whatever that was called kiss not kistery um what was the big fucking coffee table book that they put out was it kistery yes um, yeah i believe so yeah 
so they did that. They did that cool thing. Then they did the um, the conventions where Ace and Peter came back. They did the unplugged. And so then, you know, you think about it in the context of the timeline of Kiss, and you go, after all that cool shit, they would have dropped that fucking turd. You know, it, it, at that point in time, they're riding a the high wave. So if you put it in the context of that, it's probably <laughs> the biggest, it's a bigger misstep than the elder. I just don't know at what point during the recording process, did they think that this was even remotely a good idea? I, I, I can't even imagine. Well, I mean, when you think about Kiss, though, I mean, you have to look back. I mean, and Blade was talking about Asylum, you know, and Asylum really capitalized on what was hot at that point. It doesn't sound like 70s Kiss. Nothing on it sounds like Love Gun or, <clears throat> or Destroyer. I mean, it's pure 80s you know, shredding fucking hair metal. Yeah. I, 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 I enjoy the album, but you know I, what I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I, I stand corrected. Monster has replaced asylum. I, go I like this. I like this turn of events here. Blake. But then like that face when, turn. You, when you think about like this face turn, <laughs> a neon, a neon green face turn here. <laughs> But then you think about Carnival of Souls when that came out in the mid nineties with the grunge shit going on. Kiss was just trying to, you know, fit in at that point. And well, Carnival of Souls they, came out in ninety seven. Right. Is that when that came out? Was that when so that was far past out? the time? Like at yeah. that point, uh Allison Chains was done. All the grunge was done. They had moved on to fucking new metal. But when I mean, did they, I mean, I, I know they no, the lead, out the, like 96, but when did they record it? I mean, it must well, have Well, they recorded it, but dude, the, the, the hype, the hype sticker on it, uh, read Carnival Souls, but featuring the last recordings of the Kiss lineup from 1992 to 96. That was the hype sticker. I know. Cause I peeled it off and stuck it on the case. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> you were so, you were so fucking popped over that. that you had... <laughs> Blades like, whoo! It's <laughs> like, Jesus, I want to see that again. <laughs> that hype sticker. <laughs> the biggest pop Blades ever had in his whole life. <laughs> I could honestly, I've given that record so many fucking chances. I have there's too. so many fucking apologists out there and you get on the kiss boards or in the kiss chats and you sit and you hear these, these boys sit and talk about, Oh my God, it's such an unsung record. So much brilliance on this thing. And then you, you start it up and you hear Paul Stanley attempt to be Lane Staley and you want to clean your brain out with a fucking bullet. <laughs> And not only that, you got a guy like Bruce Kulick coming off a record like Revenge and then, you know, make him play shit that, you know, isn't up to his standards. Where are the fucking guitar solos? Exactly. Nothing. He did have he did have his song on there, which was actually that was the highlight of that record. I Walk Alone or whatever it was. Bruce's song on Carnival of Souls is the best song on there. Uh, I couldn't tell you uh, other than jungle. I couldn't tell you another track off of that one. Same as monster. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the immortal classic childhood's end. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my god, oh, now all of a sudden that song just song. popped in my head. That's you is will that- always my friend. Whatever the fuck. With with oh, the children's god. choir. <laughs> That's the one. Brutal. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, next to Boomerang, that might be the worst kiss track. Ugh, fuck. Like, I can't believe I can't believe Jungle was a radio single for that album. Where in Australia? In the United States, I used to hear it played on the radio. I, I never heard it. Because I was under the impression that that was like a new Kiss recording, because this was in the days before I had the internet. So like, huh? You know, oh, this got to be a new Kiss song, huh? Because they had already started the reunion tour, right? Know? Right. So. No. See, I didn't well, even I mean, know about this record until years later because I went on that reunion tour. Uh, the I was at the Bradley Center when I saw that. That was an amazing fucking show. I bought Psycho Circus. Was disappointed just like every other Last Kiss fan on earth. I was not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you like one of the worst songs on that record. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the worst song on that record. Okay, what's the worst song on that record? Ah, <sighs> Pledge Allegiance to the yeah. State of Rock yeah. and Roll. That song's the shit. Oh, any so- any song with that many fucking syllables in the title can't be good. <laughs> That song is the shits, as Ole Anderson would say. It's the shits. Yeah. No, oh. like Into the Void was a good song. Uh, I finally found my way. <laughs> the best one on there. The masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> the crowd jewel of the album. Just I, like Corey's favorite track on the fucking on Gene Simmons' fucking solo record, uh-oh. "Living in Sin." Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> I have I have I have home movie footage of me lip syncing that song at age three. <laughs> well, about age three. <laughs> That's when I got the album, bro. <laughs> I, I was I didn't even I didn't even I didn't even know what that meant, but I sure as fuck sang it when I was three. <laughs> that was my favorite. That was my favorite song when I was three. I'm serious. Such a good song. Oh, I was such a great I, album. Uh, you know, even wish I, I'm not a Disney fan. I hate Disney, but I enjoy when you wish upon a star by Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I like his rendition of it. Oh. <laughs> but the real I love is, is you know what? Yeah, what? Job while that he's singing that song. <sighs> <laughs> I love. <laughs> I just derailed Blade. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love all those solo albums. I wish all the female backup singers from those albums would have done their own album. Katie Seagal. Katie their Seagal. own Kiss records. <laughs> yeah. So they'd have their own gimmicks, kind of like the the famed Ankh record that never was, but we still have the album cover for it. I, I'm not familiar with that. What do you mean? <laughs> Remember we when we went to that FYE in um, Strongsville, Ohio, and you bought that bootleg Vinnie Vincent 
Ankh. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy the past five years. <laughs> So, so is it displayed? I mean, do you have the bottom of one of these boxes or what are you doing with it? Uh, it's with my kids DVDs. I just haven't had a chance to watch it. I got sidetracked, you know, it's been a wacky be four in the right years. Headspace. Yeah. I gotta be in the right headspace. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why we didn't have that with us when we went and saw Gene. Oh, good point. That would have been a good gimmick. That would have that would have coupled well with Gene's timely Michael Jackson pedophile jokes. <laughs> <laughs> or how about Gene Simmons not knowing a single lyric to any of his songs? So no, he had no. some fifty-five-year-old stagehand write them on huge sheets of paper <laughs> that were so inconspicuous <laughs> on stage. On the stage that was even lower than the one at Blaze Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> You could just walk right up to that one. Yeah. We, and then who was, who was at that show? Hollywood from fucking glow was there, right? Yeah. Yes, she was. I saw, <laughs> I saw a video on YouTube and you can hear Derek yelling at her and she looks terrified. <laughs> like who is this stalker Mark? I'm not going to make it out of here alive. I remember we, we noticed it and all I did was yell Hollywood. And she looked at us. Oddly, and then wait. She's like, I've been found out. I have to exit quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Good times. (laughs) Wait, wait. What do I hear? Wait, folks. I I can't believe this, but I think we have Gene Simmons on the line right now. Mr. Gene Simmons. How are you doing tonight? This is Gene Simmons of Kiss. <laughs> so it's your honor and pleasure, privilege to have me on. So, Mr. Gene Simmons, thank you again for gracing us. I know the last time we had you on the show, we had a technical snafu. So I'm very glad we get this opportunity to sit and interview you tonight about your epic turn in Trick or Treat. And that's the, the great thing about Kiss. Is some people like steak and some people like ice cream. <laughs> no, no, do you have any comments about the DVD photo, uh, the DVD cover of Trick or Treat, which looks like a melted fucking ice cream cone in retrospect? Obviously not licensed through Kiss. Still looking for my check. Do you remember taking that photo, Mr. Simmons? Absol- absolutely. I'll never forget it. <laughs> What was what? Can you set the stage and paint us a picture of how that picture was created? That picture, I was at the premiere of Meet Wally Sparks, starring Ronnie Dangerfield. (laughs) They caught me off guard. I I got prepared for my role (laughs) in Never Too Young to Die. The 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 role in which you you looked like. So it looked like you had just gotten off of the, the set of uh, Who Wants to Be Lonely, and they decided to bring you on as a transvestite killer. I remember walking through an airport and seeing a sequined shirt, a woman's shirt, and I said, that would look right on stage. Well, it didn't. Can you explain, not to get us off the, the track of this amazing film, Trick or Treat, 
Can you please explain to us what the hell happened in the eighties with you? Like why is every kiss video out there look like you wanted to violate everyone that you came into contact with? The great thing about the eighties, it was excess. <laughs> thank, thank you, Mr. Simmons. Thank you. That was quite, thank you. Quite illuminating. Thank you, Mr. Simmons. As so, I said before, some people like uh, stink tartar and some people like horseshit. And this is not horseshit. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to open it up to the panel here. Uh, Mr. Blade Braxton, do you have any further uh, questions for Mr. Gene Simmons before we let him go? Uh, yes. Um, we had mentioned this earlier. Uh, You're a powerful and attractive man. Thank you. We were talking about, obviously we're talking about heavy metal and the heavy metal movies. Uh, obviously a big, big thing is the songs in the movie. Uh, we, and we were talking about shocker. Were you disappointed that Paul Stanley, uh, did not have any songs on the trick or treat soundtrack? Again, it goes back to, uh, some people like lobster and some people get crabs, but that's the beautiful thing about it. We all have our own things that we do. And, um, and absolutely, I was pissed off. Wait, folks, 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 newsflash. I got another person on the line here. I cannot believe this. Again, how, how lightning strikes Astro Radio Z twice in a lifetime, I have no idea, folks. But Paul Stanley is on the other line with us. Paul? Do you wish to uh, speak to Mr. Gene Simmons' comments about why your songs were not included on the Trick or Treat soundtrack? It's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Gene's mouth opens and it talks. Paul, Paul, were there any rumors of the fact that Tommy Thayer would have been a replacement for one of the Dudes of Wrath at any point in the past 15 years? Who? Rat? Never heard of him. I don't so listen while, to rap. <laughs> so while I while I have you on the horn here, Gene and, and Paul, we we got to talk about one of the the most classic uh, heavy metal horror films of all time, the TV film that you guys made, Kiss: <laughs> The Phantom of the Park. <laughs> Would you like to give us a little history on what what that film is, and Paul? Why don't you tell me what is the plot of that epic film that you guys made? The plot is we couldn't act. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. That's that's long, long way back at a time when when people were were trying to get us to do everything. And at that point, they pitched it to us. They said, "This is a hard day's night meets Star Wars." Do you wish they would have been a hard day's night met uh, perhaps Space nineteen ninety nine? Would have been an improvement. There's one. Hot question that I know every last, not only horror film fan, cinema fan, but KISS army member wants to know. What drugs and what booze was Ace drinking or ta- and or taking that turned him into an African-American man? <laughs> I think Ace was drinking turpentine. This is true. I've seen him do it before. Like I said, some people like booze and some people like pussy. And I fell into the latter category. <laughs> Eric, do you have any final questions for our our uh, two legends of rock and roll? Yeah, I guess uh, in regards to Phantom of the Park, do you think it was a bit lazy that Peter Chris just growled the entire time? Peter Chris was checked out long before that movie. 
<laughs> That's not even Peter's voice. He sounds like Fred Flintstone. Uh, have, have any of you guys ever thought of perhaps covering um, That's the Kind of Sugar Papa likes? I really would like to have gotten uh, Gene or Paul's take on that song. We'll be doing that on Kiss Cruise 12. <laughs> oh, he said it's going to be a Peter Chris solo themed. Peter Chris solo will all be in Catman attire and makeup. <laughs> because Peter did it all, as you know. The Chris Cola Ayatollah. There was nothing he couldn't do. Just ask him. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks, Astro Radio Zombies. Gene Simmons admits to Chris, Peter Chris, being maybe the finest member of KISS. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I want to thank you guys for coming on my show again. It's been, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on to sit and talk about Trick or Treat, KISS meets the Phantom of the Park, and finally getting down to the brass tacks of Peter Chris's solo record. Thank you for coming on, guys. And don't forget KISSonline.com. We have a tour that we're starting with some kid from American Idol because that's what young people are enjoying. <laughs> we're going out on tour, and we're going to be going way back in the set list, probably a lot of the Peter Chris solo record on of this, <laughs> on this tour. <laughs> I can't stop the rain. It will be an Eric Singer uh, solo performance. <laughs> <laughs> and it will actually rain. <laughs> rain, it'll be raining money. <laughs> All the way to the bank. Thank oh, that's you. an easy thing. Yeah, thank you, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, hopefully at some point we'll have you on again. Don't forget about Soul Station. <laughs> well, nobody wants to hear your, your soul band, please. Want to get licked? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I got a question for you. <laughs> All right. Uh. Oh, so, folks, can you believe it, Mr. Blade Braxton, that we would have Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley on this fine show yet again? I am absolutely speechless. I'm just oh, pissed off. I got to talk to him. Well, Corey, <laughs> yeah. you got to stop taking. You got to stop taking a shit every time they come on the show. <laughs> I can't help it when the call of duty. Chimes in. You were duty. You were you were as silent as Peter Chris on Unmasked uh, in the past fifteen minutes. And that's where he is right now. <laughs> I have I have yeah I've recorded all over the place, man. You know it, it adds to the excitement. It adds to the 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 uh, what would you say? Panache. The, uh, yeah, the panache. Yeah. Mm. Right now, I right now I'm recording from my almost empty apartment, just me and a plastic skeleton and a box of 1989 Topps trading cards. <laughs> I mean, to me, the crowning moment of of Astro Radio Z was that show with Blade in the car uh, in the garage. And you and I and Angelina Lee, because I think we went like three hours. And it, yeah, that, well, that was your retire. That was your retirement show. Yeah, it was yeah, the it was, final was, episode that you did. That was the last yeah. one. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like I, I, I've told Derek, I've joked around. I was like, I want that one looped at my funeral. Yeah. <laughs> During my wake. Hear me and Angelina Lee talk about Toto getting raped <laughs> from the Wizard of Oz. Well, yeah. Classy. We'll, we'll make sure that happens. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be going before both of you. You're in charge. Now, some more from the host of Drive-In Movie Maniacs, Tim Sweeten. Troy and I used to always joke with each other about uh, the characters of Terrible Tim and the Midnight Rose. I was always, I always gave him a lot of, a lot of grief over the fact that uh, on the show you never saw Terrible Tim or really the Midnight Rose with ever <laughs> with any women. <laughs> you never, you know, you heard us talk about women, and and there was one episode where I think Terrible Tim actually had a date early in the first or second season. But you know, as years went on, we kind of made it seem like almost like terrible Tim and the midnight Rose. Maybe they lived in a house together somewhere at this point. And, you know, I used to, I used to joke with, with Troy all the time. Like, man, people are going to start thinking that a uh, terrible Tim and, and the midnight Rose are like secretly like some kind of like Burton, Ernie gay couple or something. I go, man, if you watch back on some of those episodes, I mean, if you, if you, if you didn't know better, I mean, you could imply that the characters of terrible Tim and the midnight Rose might be homosexual and I just always used to tease him about that and I just always found that hilarious and I mean we both laughed about that for I mean we would just roll over that it was uh, a running joke with Troy for many years and uh, I will definitely miss ribbing him about that one because uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just really funny when you think about me and him being like a Bert and Ernie type of you know, relationship, you know, and in a way it kind of was, you know what I mean? We, we, uh, hung out and just did things together and had a lot of fun, man. I'm going to miss shooting pool with him and eating pizza and, you know, and just hanging out with the guy. Come in, damn it. You're sure a punctual bastard. Welcome to the podcast at Orgy Castle. Sit back, darling, and enjoy with your hosts, Derek and Paula. All right. We're just going to go right into this. I have never worked this hard to hear a fucking Gene Simmons story in my whole goddamn life. <laughs> never once in my whole fucking miserable existence have I worked this goddamn hard to hear about Gene Simmons. Wait a but we're here. This is a new episode of podcast at Orgy Castle. Paul is here, of course. And we got the one, the only, the mythical, mystical uh, Blade Braxton. Blade Explain yourself, Blade Braxton, about yes. this gimmick you made us watch tonight. <laughs> I'm like a fucking unicorn, man. Although I felt like a, I felt like a unicorn when I was eight, and the unicorn horn <laughs> being my boner when I first watched Angel of Heat with Marilyn Chambers on HBO in my basement on the Zenith, the wooden fucking console with Kool Aid, yes, with a boner. <laughs> what flavor Kool Aid was this you were drinking with a boner okay, on the watching the beat? Probably fucking generic store brand strawberry, man. We were kind of poor back then. 
red flavor, right? It was red. Red flavor, it was yeah. Red, the red Kool Aid. Your favorite, favorite flavor was flavor, red. My favorite flavor was red. Yes. Yeah. Same. Purple drink. Same. Purple drink. Red drink. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay. It's a movie, so, huh? um, obviously. We've been building up to this show for fucking weeks. We've been talking about it every single episode. Mm-hmm. Every single episode, the beginning of it is Paul was, and I complaining about Blade not showing up so we could watch Angel of Heat. There was a vote this oh, movie I almost no one that I, I decided that this was the movie we were going to watch. This was a tiebreaker. I broke the tie. I mean, there was a vote. This was a democratic decision. We, we the people. <laughs> We the people yeah. that master we the people that masturbate to the Maryland Chambers. In order to form a more perfect union. <laughs> in order to more in order to form a form a more perfect a more perfect fist. <laughs> in order to perform no nude kung fu. No zero zero nude kung fu. Oh, so so Blade. Before we get into this, because uh, podcast at Orgy Castle is only a 30 minute long podcast and we get right to the fucking point. Uh Um, I have I have waited for weeks now to hear this Gene Simmons fucking story and the relation of this Gene Simmons story to the movie we're watching tonight. So would you care to honor us with this Gene Simmons story that hook line and sinkered me into this gimmick? <laughs> well, let me tell you, it's kind of silly, man, but it, it did, did relate to this movie. I used to have a big crush on Marilyn Chambers, right? Well, yeah. You know, right. And I was, and I was, and I was a kid, you know? So I, you know, so I had my action figures and shit, right? Uh-huh. I had my kiss doll. Oh, I had my it's Gene not Simmons. a Gene Simmons story. It's wait. a Gene Simmons kiss doll story. Wait. Wait. <laughs> let me, let me get, wait, before you get into this, are you leading me down a fucking path to you with an eight-year-old boner and a Gene Simmons doll? Is that yes. where we're going right now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> oh my god! I, sh- I sh- people, I should have known fucking. Better. Oh my I should have fucking known better. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, man, dude. Okay, all right. Let me explain. Right when I was a kid, right, you know, my dad was real artsy and crafty, right? Oh my you god! Know? So, <laughs> so like he like made me like a humanoid from the deep playset and shit oh out of paper mache. <laughs> Wait, oh my god! Did he, did he did he make you dolls for the humanoids to rape? I no, they oh were already god. they were already made, and I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> Star Trek, um, the Mego Star Treks had a like green amphibian humanoid, which oh was my, my humanoids from the deep monster. Oh my god! And uh, Lieutenant the Lieutenant Uhura action figure played the role of the victim. Of course, she did. Jesus Christ. This so, is getting worse by the second. Yeah, it is. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, so I'm just saying, right? So like um we were talking you, you were talking about the Gene Simmons, you know, the Gene Simmons doll, right? So I'd be playing and shit. I'd have my I'd have my Gene Simmons dolls and I have my six million dollar man dolls, right? You know, oh I'd be, I'm a kid, God. I'm playing, right? And my <laughs> sister would come and my sister would come along and she would be like, I wanna play. I'm like, man, get your fucking Barbies out of here, right? <laughs> If you're going to play with me, then this Barbie is going to be Angel of Heat. Oh, my God. So, yes. 
There's your fucking Gene Simmons story. Uh, when it was playtime with me and my sister, it was Gene Simmons and Steve Austin, the $6 million man, and her Barbie was playing the role of Marilyn Chambers as Angel of Heat doing Kung Fu and shit. Hey, Derek. Derek, can yeah. I ask you a question? Was it, was it worth it? Yeah. yeah, was it fucking worth it? Uh, folks, <laughs> this story in the movie we watched... This story is the perfect metaphor for what you we want to die, doesn't it? <laughs> this story, the buildup of this story, and, and the buildup of this episode is the perfect metaphor for the fucking movie that we watched tonight. See what happens when you bring me on, man. It wasn't, it wasn't that big. It wasn't that big of a this story. This is carny shit, Blade. You built you built it up, Derek. I just was going to mention it in passing. Oh my God. <laughs> He's like, yeah, my sister had an angel of heat Barbie, kind of. If you would have led with that pitch, then I wouldn't have bit. This goes to, to show how good of a, a fucking oh, yeah. salesman you are, Blade. Because... I'm a fucking carny as a motherfucker, man. Yeah. <laughs> And you, uh, now that you we, bought in, though you bought you bought into all of this. <laughs> Just like so to watch a Marilyn Chambers movie and shoehorn me myself onto your show. <laughs> I win. Look at this. This happened. This happened. So Paula, let's uh let's start talking about oh the movie God. proper. Paula, do you oh. care to even remotely or can you even remotely Describe the plot of Angel of Fucking Heat. Yes, I can. Okay, good luck. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Oh. So, who's got a vibrator? Yeah, turn off your vibrator, Blake. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of all those fembots in Angel of Heat. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so Marilyn Chambers is a top secret agent, Angel Harmony of Heat, who uses her honey pot thing that she's got going on i believe to come crack down on some guys in calneva casino and there's something going on that she has to uncover there were some gold boots the gold boots were spectacular and she had sex with a midget or she let him ride her like a horse (laughs) and then there was some mud wrestling and mary warrenov was in it oh mary warrenov was in it so i was all excited because marilyn chambers and mary warrenov but it still sucked and mary warrenov was like a, a another agent from another group that were looking for microchips and nobody had sex and there was no naked kung fu and um there was that oh oh what about the racist guy at the beginning yeah there was a she uh she made sexy time with uh a A german dude that had a japanese accent that and racist japanese subtitles and then a japanese sensei who had a german accent and kind of sounded like a German Yoda in a way. Yeah, yeah. And she ended up killing the guy, so we didn't have to worry about any more racist subtitles. Uh, and then later in the movie, they end up going against the the big bad of the movie is the Jewish Darth Vader. Oh, Darth Alvin. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Who's got all the cameras and the lights and... Uh, the fembots. He's got the fembots, of which Mary Warrenov's girlfriend is one, because we keep getting teased with lesbian sex that never happens. That never oh, happens. So disappointing. Oh, you should have seen it when you were eight, though, Derek. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, seriously, coming at it from this angle after having watched, I don't know how many Japanese bondage erotica films in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you, and, guys, you guys have been watching some pretty sleazy shit. Yeah, well, I am jaded and I am cynical and it just gets, it has to be darker and darker and darker to work. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fucking cliche. That's all there is to it. The, uh, I... How do I how do I even begin to start to talk about Angel of Fucking Heat? No naked kung fu, motherfucker. Okay, so oh. this movie sells itself as like an Andy Sedaris sexy, yeah. uh, like, like espionage thriller. Yeah. Yep. Like you start the movie off, even the trailer has it in it. You have Marilyn Chambers naked doing, you know, fucking the worst kung fu you ever saw in your whole oh, yeah. life to video toaster effects and it goes on for like five minutes of the opening credits which let's be honest the opening credits go on for 20 minutes yeah there's <laughs> the credits that keep happening well, for goes, 20 minutes of this movie and it goes from her naked kung fu to a bunch of stock footage of motorboats and not there's, good motorboating really actual boats with motors on them actual boats actual boats yeah. that are that are shot so far away from the actual boats that you yeah. can't even tell there are boats in these shots mm -mm. No. no so 30 minutes of this movie are, is stock footage of people driving boats <laughs> and credits and credits and opening credits and you get teased with four minutes of her on a video toasted black background doing the worst naked kung fu moves ever by herself but we called it at the beginning saying maybe we should just watch this on repeat for the next 90 minutes we did call that we called it that would have been would have been a good idea would have mm -hmm. it would have been the best gimmick we ever fucking did in our whole mm -hmm. life yeah Instead, we forged on. We did. And we watched a movie in which my brain actively tried pushing it, <laughs> the movie out of it while it was happening. It was almost like I, there was there was a fucking steel trap door behind my eyes that was reflecting the movie back at the screen the entire time saying, no, no, I've, the whole I've time. Nev I've never seen a man die so rapidly just you know by the words he texts you know <laughs> it, I, I saw you die with every little instant message you would send you would send and, on the right side of the rabbit screen and, and, yeah. and inside of blade that little kool-aid drinking eight-year-old with a boner was crying my my boner was dying was. i was like like this is what brought me into manhood <laughs> he's in got his, his little, his little kool-aid mustache just like my 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 life my whole life has been a sham. My my boner is a sham. <laughs> Join the club, baby. <laughs> oh. It goes to show you how little it took us back in the day to get excited as little boys. I'm so dis I'm so disappointed. I'm gonna have to do a, do a gram of coke and watch Insatiable after we get off. <laughs> Or, or if I don't find any coke, I'll do I'll do a few rails of ivory snow. Do it. <laughs> there's there's a Marilyn Chambers reference. Well, it is hump day. Have at it, babe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so Blade. Now that we've we've actually experienced this movie, which there's really nothing to talk about and with this movie because nothing fucking happens for an hour and a half in this movie. Oh, it, uh, like I told you, uh, the the the. the there's my vibrator. Uh, the Jew, the Jewish guy with the cape, Darth Alvin. 
was like an off-brand version of Abner Devereaux from Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park. <laughs> and was. it was like, oh, take all the worst parts of Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park. Oh, and Which there are, there are, it's plentiful. There are lots of really awful parts in Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park. <laughs> this yeah. makes Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park. Oh. This makes oh. that movie look like fucking Citizen Kane. It wow. makes it it makes it truly makes Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park look like Star Wars meets a hard day's night. Was there anything in this movie that even remotely made you enjoy it, Blade? Uh, obviously, obviously the opening with Marilyn Chambers naked kung fu. Um, uh, arguably just as just as good as Hillary Swank in the next Karate Kid. Um, <laughs> Um, I, 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 I enjoy midgets. I, 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 I enjoy likes a midget. That's a drop. Yeah. I, I enjoy midgets writing Marilyn Chambers. How fun is that? I, you know, I would, if I would accept a physical deformity, if I could have written Marilyn oh Chambers. Oh my God. Uh, what else? There was a lot of there was a lot of cool digital like early eighties digital talk. That was kind of cool. <laughs> there was also an entire like a lot of buzzwords where, where a keyboard is just it sounded like my youngest daughter pounding on a keyboard <laughs> for ten minutes. Oh, dude, I was watching the I was watching that movie in the basement um, where you know where my, where you know where where the, you know so I had where the, to have... where, the inf- where the infamous boner and Kool Aid see- scene happened in your life. <laughs> so no, no, I'm talking right now. So I had my earbuds in, listening to the movie, and that shit was fucking painful. Oh, I mean, it literally, it literally hurt me. This movie hurt me. <laughs> well, it didn't oh, help hurt. that we're watching like a, a 15th generation VHS dub of this movie because surprisingly enough, this hasn't been restored and put out on Blu-ray. Oh. <laughs> I almost popped. I almost popped for the $50 out of print DVD. There's uh, a DVD of this on Amazon. I'm gonna have to look this up. Who put this fucking DVD out? Dude, I, I've I've looked it up on eBay, dude. There's you cannot find the VHS. The only thing you can find on eBay is the CED version of this. You- what? Wait, 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 wait. Are you fucking shitting me? There's a CED version of Angel of Heat. <laughs> there well, there won't be in about an hour because I'm gonna order that motherfucker and put it on my wall. <laughs> I do have a CED player. I know you do. I watched, oh I we attempted to watch like Friday the 13th one time. <laughs> yes, we did. And it was fucking uh, horrible. Skipping all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Angel of Heat on Amazon.com on VHS is $99.75. Paula, do you feel that that is a good price for this movie? Define good. Would you buy this movie for $99.75? No, is I would that- not. Is that the Vestron VHS release? Oh my God! Is it a clamshell? Uh, no, well, it, it in fact does not have a company name on it. Let's. Yep, this is the Vestron video. When I look at the details, mm, I don't think I could ever watch this movie ever again. This uh, the cover is infinitely better than anything that happens in the movie. It includes the German, the German Japanese sensei on the cover. 
Tell me about it. That's what was in the HBO TV guide in full color. I cut it out. So, For a completely different reason than you had your mom cut out the dummy from magic, right? Ah, you're correct. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What that is this HBO? story? I need to hear this story. Yes, dude. Okay, right. We first got HBO um, in, in uh, I'm going to say about 77, maybe 78. I don't know when. But either way, um, one of the first issues of the HBO monthly TV guide had the fucking dummy from magic in it. Uh, and it scared the shit out of me. I had to have my mom cut it out of the TV guide. And what did you do with this? It scared the shit out of you. She cut it out. And then what would you do with it? She threw, Not the same thing he it, did with Marilyn Chambers. She, she threw it away. Oh, so you wouldn't be able me. to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to look through the TV guide and be horrified. Would you? No, how, how long did you keep that TV guide? TV guides only lasted a week. No, HBOs were a month. Oh, that's right. They would have it because they would have one month of programming. I forgot. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a one month of horrors. (laughs) Fucking dummy for magic. (laughs) (laughs) Blade's delicate, goddammit. I was a delicate three-year-old child, man. Come on. Uh, I'm a delicate 41-year-old man right now after watching Angel of fucking Heat. And Blade has a fucking vibrator shoved up his ass that goes off every five minutes. Are you there yet? (laughs) I will be. (laughs) Just let me loop the the beginning of Angel of Heat. (sighs) Oh, yeah. On infinity. I think I think listeners, <laughs> what I'm going to do, because there's really nothing for us to talk about with this movie, because nothing really happens. Uh, uh, Marilyn Chambers, she gets wrapped up in a bunch of fucking hullabaloo. And then her and rando blonde dude with glasses end up oh. fighting Jewish Darth Vader on the top of a hill. Yeah. And then all the fembots die. Yeah. And they fall into a lake and there's more fucking raft footage. And then the movie just fucking ends. Yeah. Um, yep. So what I'm going to do, if you're a Patreon member, I'm just going to cut the opening credits where she sits and does Kung Fu for like 10 minutes and post that to the Patreon page for That's my the best Patreon, part of the movie, yeah. and that will be better than anything you'll ever experience ever watching this movie. Probably even better than this podcast. All especially better than that Gene Simmons story that I sat and built up. For oh my god! It, like, Gene Simmons doll story. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we're oh just going to bust through it. I mean, Paul, do you have anything at all to talk about with this? Oh, movie? no. What sucks is how much I love Marilyn Chambers and that she just never got what she should have gotten. I mean, if you see Rabid and how good she was in that movie. Yes. I mean, she was fucking amazing in Rabid. And she's barely even in this movie. Yeah, she is barely in this movie. And when she is in it, I mean, she looks amazing, but it's just stupid. It was slapstick, goofy. Like I said, we got to watch something like that. This is another teasy, nudie kind of a deal. And Mary Warren, like I said, Mary Warren was in it. I love Mary Warren off, but like there was just, it just went on and on and on and on and on and nothing ever really happened. And you saw after the orgy, you know, you saw after Mary Warrenoff had sex with her beautiful fembot girlfriend. It doesn't, 
I mean, eight-year-old Kool-Aid boner, fine, but <laughs> dated old Japanese bondage erotica lady, not cutting it. Not cutting it. I, not I've cutting seen it. I've seen better Fred Olin Ray movies. Oh my god, so have I. Yeah, I've seen better Jim Wynorski movies. So yes. yeah, this is this is fucking Dollar General Wynorski. Yeah, it is Dollar General Wynorski. It is it is is beyond Papatopoulos Wynorski. I mean, Sorceress was better than this. Oh man. And I, I hate that, like I said, because it's got Mary Warrenov and Marilyn Chambers. And I don't think Mary Warrenov was ever used right, except in Eating Raul. She was brilliant in that yes. and Terror Vision. But Terror Vision, of course. Oh, Terror Vision's brilliant. Mary Warrenov was great and all sorts of fun alternative, like weird shit. And she did fun stuff like this. And of course, she's just, I love her because she's so, she's not shy about anything. They're like filming this whole scene and she's just like buck naked, like slowly putting her clothes on and having this affair with this woman. And so she's like, fantastic. It's just the rest of the movie that fucking sucks. And I just feel like it was again, a waste of Marilyn Chambers and Mary Warnoff. And if they had been able to direct their own movie, what would that have been like? Um, that's very, that's a very interesting. That'd be hot. <laughs> that dance and of course listeners of the regular podcast aren't seeing the visual here that i'm seeing of mm. paula shaking her amazingly beautiful breasts <laughs> on the screen right now well, thank you dear which is so much better than anything that happened at fucking angel of heat mm. there we we get teased at the beginning of this gimmick with her as i said with the video toasted kung fu and then there's one other scene of Kung Fu in this movie. One. Oh, you had to wait so long. At the very end, and they're all clothed. Yeah. The whole time I'm texting, complaining that there's no Kung Fu in this gimmick, and Blade was... <laughs> it's coming. Just, just wait. <laughs> it's I coming. Have, Nobody's now, coming, to, Blade. To be fair, I have seen this movie once since 1983. And that eight-year-old boner gave him blinders. Yep. And, and that was... That was in 1990, you know, Ooh. it was the last time I saw it. I rented it from my mom and pop's video store. I, I got to ask you, Blade, and this is a real serious heart to heart between between you and I. <laughs> okay. What was the biggest childhood boner movie you ever saw that you watched that you remember fondly going, man, this movie really? changed my young adolescent life. And I became a man watching this movie. Uh, I was four years old. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot different than I was thinking. Go ahead. I was four years old watching Alien during its first run at the drive-in. My dick felt tingly when uh, Lieutenant Ripley stripped down her underpants. Ripley in the I panties. Did you not? That's when I knew. You wanted I to know, Derek. <laughs> I did. There you go. There's your story. Yeah. There's my first boner we've story, gone, Derek. We've gone from yeah. Blade's eight-year-old boner to Blade's four-year-old boner. How you feeling? <laughs> How's it going? This is getting worse by the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask anything more. <laughs> Oh boy! I have tears in my fucking eyes. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> I'm surprised my dick can even function. It's been <laughs> going at it since '79. Oh <laughs> so, so I, I think we've read the course of this one. Let's get to it, Blade. If you if you haven't listened to the podcast yet, how Paul and I do things is at the end we rate. 
the movies on how many Jackalmans out of five, zero to five Jackalmans and Jackal. You obviously know what a Jackalman is, right? Uh, uh, no. What is it? The Jackalman is the werewolf from fucking Dracula, the dirty old man. From the first movie that we ever reviewed. He's a shitty-ass werewolf. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure, man. I Ir- own that Irving movie, Jackalman, yeah. yeah. So so Irving Jackalman, the second-level Jackalman, that's our rating <laughs> scale. It's how many Jackalmans <laughs> oh, out of five? Oh, oh, how many Jackalmans out of five do you give this movie, Blade? Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, man. Uh, oh, you know, obviously, <laughs> it's, obviously, 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 it's no rabid. And, um, I mean, that's... Nothing is rabid, nothing. I mean, dude, I mean, I, to this day, uh, the ending of Rabbit with Marilyn Chambers uh, in the corpse in the trash truck, it makes it, it makes E.T.'s pasty white corpse in the pond look like the ending of Cinderella. Uh, that's how much the ending of Rabbit makes me <laughs> upset. Uh, but this still does have Marilyn Chambers in it. And it was the first Marilyn Chambers movie I saw. I didn't know she was a porn star. Uh, I didn't know about any of that when I was eight years old. I just thought, wow, here's this chick who's hotter than Heather Locklear. You didn't know Marilyn Chambers was a porn star when you were eight years old? I find that really hard to believe. (laughs) No, I wouldn't rent Beyond the Green Door until I begged my mom to rent it. uh, At nine years old. At uh, 13. (laughs) Paula, don't ask these questions. Don't make us go down these. Oh, but I love the answers. Derek, I got three words for you. Gene Simmons doll. <laughs> well, I'll shut up. I'm going to go in the corner now. <laughs> I, hey, listen to me. I take pride in being the only child who had a humanoid from the deep playset and the only child who probably had some type of angel of heat kiss $6 million man fucking thing going on with his action. <laughs> Okay, let's b- get a, get to your jackalmans here, Blade. Uh, uh, two, two jackalmans out of five. Two out of five. What yeah, are the, the movie two was four? bad. What? What are the two four? What what what, what gives you the two jackalmans there? Uh, well, there's an obvious Marilyn Chambers breast yeah. reference there, but I'm not going to make that. It really was the gold boots and the horsey riding. Uh, beyond my lust for Marilyn Chambers, it was those two things. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, Paula. I'm, I'm kind of going to have to go with Blade. I was thinking three, but because Mary Warrenoff and... Okay, there was Mary Warrenoff. What the fuck world am I living in right now? <laughs> Give me a minute. I'm going to explain I'm sorry, something. Paula. I'm sorry. I am thoroughly just shocked beyond... I was going to... No, we talked about this. We were texting. I was okay, going to do ahead. three. I was going to do three because I love Mary Warrenoff and I love Marilyn Chambers. I love them both so much. But this movie was such shit. So I knocked it down to like one and a half. And then there was some orange velvet in a cat fight. So I bumped it back up to two. Speaking of cats, what about that stuffed lion that kept growling? In a oh, period? my God. <laughs> that was fucking magical. Now, you see, now that's why there should have been a, a legitimate Angel of Heat toy line. I think that's what they were going for. That's why there wasn't really a full on sex. I mean, and, and because they were trying watched, to work a toy angle. <laughs> yes, oh my God. you even said it yourself. Was this aired on Disney? It might have been. What fucking Lion King? The sad thing is, the sad thing is, this is obviously this was obviously meant to be the first part of a trilogy. Oh my God! Because it's, 
if you if, if, if as you saw in the beginning of it, there's a bunch of wonky fucking subtitles. Book number one of something something. You know, this was an episode one. This was Angel. This was Angel of Heat, book one. Oh God, uh, I'm it, disappointed. It, book two never came. I am not. <laughs> I concur. Because then I know that we would have to watch it because we're completists. And once we start something, we go through to the bitter fucking end. And I'm not doing that with it. Mm -mm. No. 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 I I think you two are fucking insane. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. This this movie is the zeroest of zero Jackalman (laughs) movies. I've ever fucking seen if I've ever seen a zero Jackalman movie. And you gave the movie we watched last week one. I gave it a zero. You gave you gave Comet of Sinners a one and I get a zero. We already I already gave a movie and I think it was Deep Throat negative four out of five Jackalman. Yeah, that got negative nine for me. Yeah. Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. But Fuck. then again, I, I haven't seen it since I've been 13. So I. Yeah. I, your boner might have changed since then. It might have. It might have gotten a conscience. I don't know. Uh, listeners, if you like having mental picture pictures of Blade Braxton touching his mirror at thirteen and eight and four, I didn't touch myself with the drive-in. I'm dead. I'm just fucking. This movie sucked. There was nothing good about it. It was terrible. It was awful. It was fucking awful. For for an hour and a half, I felt like I sat and watched fucking five hours of a movie. Yeah. It it felt like a long time. It did. It felt like a long fucking movie. I literally felt Derek die. It felt like he metaphorically became a make a wish kid throughout the process. Oh my God. Make a wish, Derek. Blade. Blade. Yeah. You know I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know I love you, man. But this movie fucking blue. This was a pile of You're right. Blue. Dude, I haven't seen it in so long. So yeah. Oh don't yeah. trust me. I've had a few of those instances where I've gone back to movies that gave me a real boner back in the day. That's why I asked you that question regretfully. And uh, <laughs> and it's never a good experience going back to those movies. Never. Maybe the Wraith. The Wraith is a good experience. Go back to get those those boner feels. And if you've seen yeah. the Wraith, you understand that. Oh, uh, just the Cheryl and Fenn bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, yeah, well, I think the best is uh, the Sherilyn Finn bestiality in that Charles Band movie. <laughs> Meridian. Meridian. Yeah, yeah. I've been telling I've been telling my boy Seth to, uh... to take. I have a VHS copy of Meridian. I want him to go take that to one of his conventions. He goes because he sees her all the time, and get her to sign my Meridian VHS. Really? Hmm. I wonder if she'd sign the Meridian VHS. I don't know, Anna. She's naked an awful lot. Now, oh, I love naked Cheryl and Finn. But anyways, Ooh. needless to say, we're not talking about Meridian. Maybe down the line we'll watch Meridian. Maybe next time, Blade, you come on the show, we'll watch Meridian. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I we're going to just I, do boner feels from back in the day, our, our old little boy boner feels. I got, I have a, I, I <laughs> That's got, a great fucking name of a podcast. I got the first that. one that I saw that it got me. What's that? 
Late, uh, young lady Chatterley. Oh shit! Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the first one that I went. Oh, girls. Oh, boys. Oh, both. Ooh, I was like 12. Yeah. So, so that's what we're going to do. If when blades on, we have to do old, uh, little kid boner feel. Okay. <laughs> my first, my first boner. Yes. <laughs> that's the series we're doing is my first boner. My baby uh, boner. You have so many fucking podcasts, Derek, that'll <laughs> be on the list. I'll be, I'm preparing to tape the first episode next week as we speak. <laughs> you better. So, so I am thoroughly shocked. We we got two two jackalbins. Why have jackalbins? And if I could give this thing a hundred negative a hundred jackalbins, I give it out negative. It is terrible. Worse. Except so, that opening. I mean, the opening. That opening, man. Come on, give it a half, Derek. Oh, that was. I'm not going to give it a half. I can't. The rest of the movie, I could see that gimmick on fucking YouTube's. It's on the trailer. So, so it ain't yep. worth watching. It ain't worth you know what? Hey, hey, to to be honest with you, the trailer did not lie. Uh, if I'm correct, it said Marilyn Chambers, as you've never seen her before. <laughs> yes, yeah, she was not, yeah. clothes. not sucking and a not dick really and fucking two guys off and fucking somebody at the same time. No, you're right. It says Marilyn Chambers, as I've never seen her before. Damn it! <sighs> I like I like seeing her as I've seen her before. Yeah, she's sexy. <laughs> Oh, you're you're correct on that blade. You are very correct on that. So that's it. We're done talking about Angel of Heat. We barely <laughs> talked about Angel of Heat because there's nothing to talk about for Angel of Heat blade. Oh, I'm so happy it? you were able to finally come on the fucking it's podcast. Fun. I made it barely. Yeah. <laughs> so and and I was really excited because usually you you can dish out some real sleaze. So I was looking forward to this one. Um, so next time, I hope you you pick your game up. Unless we do, unless we do, you know, little boy boner feel movies. If that's my first boner, nah, well, well, my first boner. Well, I'll pick something sleazy next time. You know me, man. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not PG thirteen. You know, this was well, this felt like a PG thirteen movie. In a way. Absolutely did. Yeah, if PG thirteen led in. Uh, uh, copious amounts of breasts in the movies. That's true. That's true. It's totally what this was. It was the weakest of James Bond movies with Marilyn Chambers barely in it. Yep. So that's it. Well, um, at anything? Least, at least you got at least you got a Gene Simmons action figure story out of it. Yeah, we got Gene Simmons action figure chat out of the way. Um, uh, Blade, <laughs> is there anything you wanna you wanna hawk and chill on this podcast before we say goodbye? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'll just say, hey, uh, you know, go visit wrestlecrap.com. Go visit the podcasts I do. Uh, Driving Movie Maniacs. Driving oh, Movie yeah. Maniacs. Yeah, my my TV show, Driving Movie Maniacs. Uh, it's it's a new age horror host show, uh, airing nationwide on Retro TV and streaming live on the Facebook page every Friday night. It's fun. It's really fun. So, a lot of fun. Also, how exactly how many characters did you play in tra- uh, Trauma's or uh, Shitstorm? Eight. Nice. <laughs> it looks like fun. That's going to be great. Yeah, man. I can't wait. It's be great. I love when Lloyd coming, picks up coming this here. coming this year. Lloyd Kaufman's last uh, last uh, directorial. Oh my god. Film. Wow. 
Uh, well, I'm anxiously looking forward to that because Same. you were obviously the best part of Return to Return to Newcomb High. Yes, part you were. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, yeah. Creighton. Yes, that's me. Yeah, uh, I'll be in Philly uh, about a week and a half from now. There's going to be a big uh, screening of Volume 1 and 2. I'll be there. Oh, Come out and exciting. see the movie. Very yeah. exciting. Very nice. Paula, do you have yeah. any final words? As we're dying, as we're dying, because I'm I'm gonna be dead after this I, podcast. I you know, I need some rope and a fucking enema scene. This just isn't doing it for me. There's a lot of devil in a Kiss a fire that burns you well. She breaks your heart and it hurts like words can't tell. Keep in mind, uh, you know, um, I went to the drive-ins, man. You know, my parents drug me to the drag to the drive-ins when I was little, so I saw a lot of fucking movies during their first run. You know what I mean? Right. So, dude, um, obviously, you know, and you know, I was born in '75, so you know, I got to experience, you know, I got to be old enough to experience Star Wars, you know, first, you know, first run, whatever, you know. Um. But, dude, 1979, man, dude, fucking seeing Alien for the first time at four years old blew my fucking mind, man. Like, yeah. Holy, holy shit. Because, man, you know, fucking chest burster and all that shit, man. Wow, man. And fuck, dude. When I was, and, uh, and one time when we were in Kmart, man, uh, me and my grandmother were in Kmart. I was like four years old. It was 1979. And on the shelf, there's an alien egg for sale, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow! I'm like, what the fuck? Wow, man, an alien egg! Now, what could be inside it? Yeah, an alien. Because we, we buy it. You know, I mean, I'm a little dude. I'm four. I don't know if I can, how well I can read, but, uh, you know, I, we buy, we, my grandmother buys the alien egg and she takes it home and, I open it up and it's a puzzle, man. It's a, but it's a puzzle of the alien. You know what I mean? Right. That's cool, man. That's the only alien merch I've got, dude. Because at that point, <laughs> dude, you know, we we were between. We were, you know, I'm fucking three or four years old. We were between Star Wars and we are between Empire. So Alien is dominating my mind, and I have this egg, man. And then one day, this mother, you know, like, fucking the egg just disappears, man. The egg and the no. puzzle, it's all fucking gone. No. I'm like, where the fuck is it at? Where's my egg? You know, because me and my egg went on adventures, man. Totally. You know what I mean? I mean, like, dude, like, I'm fucking, I'm getting exposed to a chest burster out in the fucking sandbox. I mean, we're just living it up, man. I, I look. Did you, dude, did, you, like, did you ever find it? Dude, here's the thing, dude. I looked. I was like, man, I was like, okay, man, I can understand. I can understand maybe my mom throwing the egg away. But why would she throw the puzzle away? Because I had this big fucking box of every goddamn puzzle that me and my fucking <laughs> sister had from the time we were little. It was still in a room in the basement, you know what I mean? 
Dude, and like this fucking the alien egg and the puzzle were nowhere to be found. And I blamed my mom. I was like, man, why'd you throw that away? Why the fuck did you throw that away? It was like, but, you know, like fucking, um, uh, about four years ago, I'm unwrapping Christmas presents for my mother. And I open up this fucking present, dude. And it's a fucking mint in the package fucking alien egg with a puzzle. The same one that I bought, dude. I fucking shit. No. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, dude. I didn't even know you knew the internet existed, let alone getting on eBay and finding this thing. You know what I mean? Wow. So, so I was like, wow, man, all right, all right, I forgive you. But okay, um, like, you know, my, my, my mother and my 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 um my my mother and father have since passed away and I inherited their house. But I um the state the state forced me to sell it. And so I had to clean everything out and they fucking kept everything, dude. So it took me like two months to clean their house out. I did not. I was like, okay, all right, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Like, will I find a single piece of that alien puzzle? Is this fucking thing in here? But it wasn't, dude. There was, like, no no fucking piece there. So that and that's all that mystery, man. But uh, at least I still got my alien egg, man. Because, honestly, totally. dude, when all, said, when all is said and done, that's probably my favorite movie of all time, man. I, I, just, I just do not fathom it because, because my parents kept everything. I just do not see why she would, why anybody would throw away my alien puzzle. I just don't get it. The first boner I ever had at age four was watching Sigourney Weaver strip down to her panties. Alien meant a lot to me, man. I wouldn't have left it somewhere. Yeah, by the way, time out. I have time out. You're talking about things not being as good as you remember them, looking as good as you remember. Um, like, yeah, like my sister. My sister would buy all like, the female action figures in the line. Oh, sure. Like like she had Marion uh, Ravenwood from the Indiana Jones. She had Princess Leia. She had Daisy Duke from the Dukes of Hazzard. Oh, oh uh, like I, like I just uh, this is one of my childhood memories. My 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 poodle dog came in and chewed the chewed the fuck out of all our female action figures. <laughs> so. so. So I just want to, uh, you know, a moment of sympathy for my uh, my Indiana Jones and my Han Solo and my Bone Luke Duke who had to stare in the face of some mangled and fucking disformed fucking female. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that's the thing, man. I mean, here's the thing, bro. I mean, you know, we were talking about aliens. And uh, I always wanted that fucking 12-inch tall alien like, those are kind of, you call it a doll, man. It wasn't an action figure. It was a huge fucking thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw it in the catalog. And I think I may have saw it in a, in a KB toy store one time, but um, I never got it. And I was like, man, I want that fucking thing. Dude, those things go for like 500 bucks now, man. Jumping, Jesus Christ. And, dude, that is like the one toy I always wanted that I never got, man. I don't know. One one of these days I'll probably get drunk and bid on it on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's that's the holy grail fucking toy for me, man. Yeah, yeah, I I myself, I I have peace. My mother bought me a new um, alien egg puzzle. I have See, my so alien now egg. We can look back on our life. We can look back on our life and say no regrets. Exactly. I'm at peace. Mm-hmm.
people tried to help me on my way. So little time and there's still so much left to say. There's no explaining all the things that I've been through. But I finally found my way to you. Finally found my way to you. Mm. Now the day is ending and the night begins to fall. So this is it. This is the end. This is uh, Fini. Um, any parting words uh, for the listeners of Astro Radio Z, Mr. Blade Brax, and the floor is yours. I just want to uh, for uh, for the for the the shows I've been on, man. I just want to say it's been fun. It's been a blast. Uh, like I said, I, I've been doing read the Resograph Radio podcast for oh god, uh, thirteen years now. But whenever I got a chance to do Astro Radio Z with you and Corey, it felt like a home away from home. Um, and I finally found my way back on the show. <laughs> how, how poetic how, how truly poetic at the end, <laughs> the end. <laughs> to close out the episode Blade would you like to serenade us out with a rendition of Kisses My Way I'm gonna walk like I walk talk like I talk my way Jesus fucking Christ mm. That killed me. Honest to God, that sounds better. I'm going to go where I go. <laughs> Ain't taking now my way. Number one, MySpace karaoke guy, circa 2007. <laughs> me. <laughs> Fuck everybody else.